are back in Castle Ravenloft and listening to Curse of Stradania, a Legends of Aventris podcast. Last time, our protagonist had to deal with the last two of my brides, and it was even more unpleasant than their run-in with Ludmilla. They were introduced to the sadistic bloodlust of Volenta and even watched an innocent man die by her hands. But they weren't prepared for the most wicked of my loves, especially because her hate is masked in sweetness. I have such great taste in women, do I not? Finally, with all three keys retrieved, they spilled their own secrets to the raven adorned jewelry box and each other, all for the sake of my mother's hairpin, and it seems to have worked. Let us see what happens. This episode is brought to you by our generous supporters on Patreon. We now also have a merch store where you can browse more than 20 amazing Aventris-themed designs. You can buy a shirt or become a patron yourself by following the link in the show notes. We are eternally grateful for your support. With that out of the way, let us proceed with Chapter 19, The Devil Cried. Victoria, you stare down and look at it. The box open in front of you the hairpin gleaming with a strange magic. And you see, this is what you were looking for. You can imagine for a moment what it would look like holding your veil in place, and you feel the conflicting emotions. The image of Shradanya smiling at you, looking down at you, your new wife. You also see the horror behind her eyes, the wickedness she has committed. Slowly, you reach down and grab onto the hairpin. As soon as you do, the rest of you hear Victoria gasp. Suddenly, her eyes turn pitch black and her body locks up, arms folded in a cross as if a corpse in a coffin. She's completely catatonic. Victoria, the closet of Stradonia von Zarovich melts away from your consciousness and you are plunged into darkness. However, although it is incredibly dark, you look down and you can see yourself, and you realize that you are still holding the hairpin. But all the color from your person is entirely gone. You've entered a world of grayscale. As you look up and peer through the void around you, you can see movement and realize that you are surrounded by falling black feathers. In just a moment, they swirl together, and directly ahead, you see a large black shape before you. Your eyes adjust, and you see the figure of a woman cloaked in a robe of raven's feathers with a long mane of coarse black hair, atop of which rests a gray crown of raven skulls. Where a face might be, there is nothing more than a white porcelain mask with black, unblinking orbs for eyes. The figure approaches, its form larger than you had expected as it looms over you. A cold, measured voice echoes around you from unmoving lips. I know you. I know your essence. I know your blood. You are one of mine, little bird. You are of my Shadakai, Dusk Elf, as your human kin might call them. Do you know the circumstances of your birth? No. 
don't think I will. You do not, but you will in time. What can you tell me about my bird? I know the story, little bird, for your father, Ferris, is wholly mine, and so his secrets are my secrets. A human woman, a wife in a loveless marriage to a man who worships a cruel God. A comfortable life, but an unfulfilling one. Resentment and bitterness become normal and accepted. Until an elven stranger from a far-off land comes across her path. The darkness and mystery are irresistible. Their affair lasts for but a week before he disappears into the shadows as quickly as he arrived. The child born from that affair kills the mother at birth, the apparent infidelity clear to all. The husband is ashamed, but did truly love his wife, and raises his child as one of his own, but he never forgets the child's original sin. The circumstances of her conception, the shame and betrayal are projected on the child. He teaches her to be ashamed of himself. He makes her hate the shadows that touched her soul. He tells her she is wicked, but he is wrong. Her soul is touched by shadow, yes, and by death. But death is not wicked. It is untouched by morality. It comes for good and evil alike. It is the mortal choices we make that make us wicked or pure. The masked woman looks down at the hairpin you still hold. Ravanovia Vonzarovich was pure, too pure for the life she found, but unshakable in her reverence. Her will was powerful, and her love was stronger. She was mine, and so I took her before she could arrive in the evil place you have now found yourself, little bird. A place in my realm, yet where my ravens cannot fly. The one dark domain in the Shadowfell protected, shrouded in mist. A land taken from the material plane itself. But there is a chance for you to change this. A chance for you to save yourself, your loved ones, and the people from that cursed land. As Ravanovia was worthy of the power you now hold, so are you. You have my blessing to purge the travesty that mocks and threatens the realm of death. And for bringing you into the world, I would keep my gaze on your father. He now walks beneath dark wings and will not be harmed. We will meet again. With a gust of wind, raven feathers surround you and you are snapped back to reality, surrounded by your friends. The rest of you, you see Victoria become completely enshrouded in black feathers that materialize out of nowhere before erupting out and washing over all of you as the darkness fades from her eyes and her indigo irises return. You all have received the boon of the Raven Queen. Holy cow. 
What was that? I I went somewhere. Somewhere dark. Victoria, are you well? Yes, I, I think I am. I think we all might be now. May I? Please. I will, uh, gently as I, as I would attempt to be gentle, would probably, probably would be rough and prodding. Uh, I would like to inspect Victoria to make sure once again that she's not like horribly possessed by demons and shit. Uh, oh, medicine. Do I have any of that? Sorry about this. (laughs) Medicine, medicine. Oh, that's a 16. You... Look at Victoria and you see bits of shadow almost course over her. Slowly begins to fade and dissipate. Her eyes, though back to the color they were originally, occasionally pulse with purples and blacks until they slowly sink back into their standard color and her skin cold at first, now feels warm to touch. And you can tell that she is unchanged, all but for the feast running through her veins, its power extended. And I will say for the purpose of this, your hero's feast that you had performed has extended itself to the next day. Look here. There is also a hint of some other magic that you can't quite put your finger on. Something else lingering there just outside of your realm of understanding. But I would say you look at yourself and you feel it in yourself as well. In Kana, in Shepard, in Clayton. All of you have been touched by the magic, by the power of the Raven Queen. I'll flick some feathers off. You seem to be all right. I feel quite good. Do you all feel it too? Yes. I don't know what it is, but sure. It's the Raven Queen. I saw her. You saw the Raven Queen? Yeah, right. I would say yes. <laughs> yeah. That's why you would have realized that was the Raven Queen. Yeah. It's more rhetorical. <laughs> Yes, Kelsey. I saw her. I clapped when I saw her. I know her. I know. I'm sorry. We'll cut that. What, what, what did she say? I mean, we've seen Garrick's, all of us, but the Raven Queen. She knew much of, of me. My story, my background, my father. Does this... Sonax, you know of the Raven Queen, correct? I do. Does this make sense? It does. We, the land from which we came, Striga, is the realm of death. She's worshipped in many parts of the continent. Her touch lingers, and if it makes perfect sense, when you spoke to her, has she joined our burning crusade against the Countess? She said that we can be saved from this land. How? How does this pin play play into that? I don't know. But did she say it had the power to help us? You, sir. Tradania's stranglehold over this land continues to weaken. 
we now have three gods. We, we can't let her know. She may. She may be watching us. How do we... Perhaps Sergei, like he, he might recognize the pin. He might know. He did say that he wished to speak with you when I came out of the briefcase. In any case, we should remove ourselves from the closet. It's somewhere safe. Yes, yes. We. What time is it? It is late in the evening, but it's not, I would say, probably around eight-ish in the evening. So you still have many hours before you feel like you would need to. Yeah, we got up pretty early. Yeah. The wings of this Queen of Ravens do not fly over Inari that I'm familiar with. Did you have to give anything in exchange for this blessing? I don't believe so, no. Does she ask anything of you? No. You didn't promise anything? No. Perhaps. Just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> I must check every box, yes. <laughs> Perhaps the secrets we offered was payment enough. And she, she said you were of her? Yes, my father. Right. My true father is a dusk elf. Dusk elf. And do I, would I, in my studies, would I know what a Shadarkai is, yes. roughly? Shadarkai. That's right. Tied closely to death. This darkness inside of you this whole time. Yes, she said that, that I've been touched by darkness, been touched by death. It's her darkness. That's a great relief. And this is a great ally in this fight. Esha, uh... You look over and Escher's leaning up against the wall, his uh, long fingernails, he's picking at his teeth. He seems completely unbothered. Do we owe Victoria, do we owe Shredania some sort of appearance now that we have this? Should we let her know? This evening. No. Why would you? Just making sure. I'm not sure what she's expecting. Oh, if she were expecting anything, she would have let you know. Right. I'm sure she's... Relishing in the moment she spent with Victoria earlier this evening. My guess, and you, he listens, and it seems as if he can hear something you can't. She seems to be taking it out on the other brides as we speak. Oh. Good. That's fine. Uh, regardless, <clears throat> could you please lead us back to our chambers? Ask nicely. Escher, would you please escort Anything back? for you, Shepard. <laughs> Thank Follow you. Me. I appreciate it. He immediately steps up and smirks at you as he turns and walks from the room. He leads you through the twists and the turns of the castle. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, before you finally make your way back up the creaking stairwell that leads to the room that you've been given to stay in. As you all spill forth into the room, the dusty bed before you, it actually looks as if it's been cleaned up a little. Made a little nicely. Made a, uh, a little, made up a little more nicely. The wedding gown. Bright, shining light in the closet. Hanging. Alright. Curio. Case will open up. 
um, to the mansion uh, opening. Uh, we should be safe here. Uh, Esha, do you want to stay here or would you like to join us? He looks quizzically at you. Are you implying you're going into a briefcase? Well, yes. This is where we live. Yes. Obviously. I'll go. Oh no, what do they say about inviting vampires? Places? I would like to take up the It's too rear. late, you've already done it, <laughs> Professor. Oh no. Well, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps thinking before you speak. What do they say, a, yikes? Would be well advised. <laughs> so what happens, Shepard? Take note when you have high intelligence but no wisdom. Yeah, note it. Ladies first. I will. I'll make my way down. I'm going to take one look inside the closet where that the dress is hanging in and make sure there are no witches or hags tumbling out of the, uh, <laughs> the attic. You don't even need to roll for it. You can tell. It just nicely hung up the way Clayton had left it. Very good. And I will proceed into the briefcase. Um, I guess we'll all follow down. Uh, Lucas, we are here. Please make some arrangements. Make some tea. You open the door as you say this, and standing directly in front of you, almost like a stature, Sir Klutz. Oh, you, I, f I forgot about you. I bar your entrance. You may not enter the realm of Queen Arabelle. The, well, the realm of Queen Arabelle. Members of your party Nazarin. have thusly offended our great queen. Oh, no. What did you do? Members of our party offended the great queen. I do not know. I know of... How have you heard of the blood queen, <laughs> Sir Klutz? What do you know, Spectre? He starts to fumble a little bit. Oh, didn't tell me. Uh, uh, or the Raven uh, Queen. You you hold knowledge. No, Queen Arabelle. from us. Queen of the Grand Mansion. Queen of this realm of existence. I'll lean into Kana. Is Arabelle of royal birth? Perhaps uh, we should probably uh, abide by her request. Oh, gods, we'll have to make this right. Uh, Sir Klutz, um, could we hold court with Queen Arabelle? I was told not to allow anyone entrance. May we see Queen Arabelle here in the foyer, please? One does not simply summon Arabelle. What if we say that we're sorry? But perhaps offer a token. Yes. Uh, apology. And worship, of course, of the queen. He looks confused. Uh, he wasn't given strict rules for this. Mm -hmm. So he slowly steps to the side. Yes, I think that will do. You have asked nicely. And uh, she is not telling me no. And he looks around and you see Arabelle standing in a beautiful princess gown, <laughs> the very edge of the hall, a paper crown atop her head, colored um, gemstones in crayon all around the, uh, or uh, wax, uh, wax drawing instruments as crayon is, does not exist in Barovia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wax writing tools, <laughs> artistic yeah, implements. Very good. Uh, as she stands there looking down at all of you, her nose held up in the air, um, her hands on her hips. She looks a little frustrated, but she too looks slightly confused as she wasn't sure how to proceed with this. She looks down at all of you as Sir Klutz stands to the side, once again sheathing his weapon. Queen Arabelle, we come 
beseeching your forgiveness in the great transgression of my expedition members. And as leader, I take full responsibility, but I will still require full apologies from both Sarnax and Kana. But if you're going to do this, why are you not bowing before the queen? I immediately step forward and do like a 90 degree bow. That is so boring. Get on your knees, loser. She offended me greatly. Do not let her speak to me until she is on the ground. Everyone, everyone kneel or bow. Why are we apologizing? I don't know what you even did. Let's just get through this. We had very important business and you know I can hear all of you talking from right here. I'm standing at the top of these stairs looking beautiful. I will kneel and just bow all the way down. There, well done, Kana. Can we please move on with this? Her eyes turn to you as her head is held up high. Yes, we really should because I'm getting very hungry and I've been waiting here for like two hours. Sarnax, go. Just put the letter down. Sarnax, please. Fine. Fine. I'm keeping my eye on you, klutz. And I put my lantern <laughs> like, down. Huffs, and I will... Straightens his outfit. I will kneel. I am sorry. Never be. To the Disney. queen... Lot of queens. I'll bow. Forgiveness to the high, highborn, highborn. <laughs> I subjugate myself beneath your feet, and will give you taxes and great tracts of land, and my entire line will be enslaved by your horrible fiefdom for generations. Is that how you highborn like to be treated? You're really going all in here. What does the word subjugation mean? Is that when you're underwater and all of a sudden you can't breathe? That's so stupid. You're not even underwater. Get up. You're dumb. Let's go have dinner, okay? Yes, please. Food of any kind. I'm going to go and change because I can't eat in this because it's got this weird little metal hoop at the bottom and every time I sit down, you can see my panties. So I'll be back, okay? Mm, all right, please. Arbel, do you need any assistance? No, not from you. You're mean. But I do accept your apologies, so it will be okay. Very well, thank you. I'll, uh, I'll well, you all need to curtsy. Of course. Is a bow okay? <sighs> no, you need to curtsy. I'll do a very nice curtsy. I will watch Victoria, and then I will take I very clumsily, like, try to <laughs> curtsy, but it'll look more like a bow curtsy. <laughs> Let us away, Sir Klutz. <laughs> and she turns around and stomps off, and you see his head fall as he writes up, puts a smile on his face, and mumbles to himself as he follows her up the stairs and away. I love Sir Klutz. Uh, oh, we mean it, no offense, right, Sarnax? We just simply came to bury the man. No, I understand entirely. You just have to put on a show sometimes. I, children. I cared not for any offense. If I did cause offense, I did not care. You're, you're <laughs> fine. I'm not actually upset. Was I a convincing, uh, groveling peasant? <laughs> Surprisingly so, yes. You laid it on a little thick, I think, Sarnax. Well, she should uh, at least learn the, the horrors committed by those that would subjugate the free will of others. While she is young. Well, well done. I'm sure that she'll learn a lot from she that She needs lesson. a positive figure in her life. You have clearly let this place go to <laughs> downward. 
I like decorating. decoration <laughs> and the ghost <laughs> and the child <laughs> and the vampire in, our, in the house. <laughs> it's just. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> all is is Sarah anywhere around? Uh, I would imagine you would guess he was probably in his room. Uh, all right. Well. We should probably speak to Sergei before we sit down to eat. Yes, uh, something cried. Yes. Uh, Lucas, could you please have someone summon Sergei? You see a silver tray appear in the middle of the hallway, a folded piece of parchment on it with the word Sergei, and you can quickly see as it flips over and a uh, quill appears and begins to write out, you have been summoned to the, um, to the foyer. Uh, as it flips back over onto the silver platter, it begins to bounce down the hallway and head towards uh, the direction of Sergei's room. It takes maybe 10 minutes or so as you all spill into the den. You take your seats on plush armchairs. Clayton, you take a seat on the desk as you leaf through a book as um, uh, Sergei is ushered into the room. He Sergei. walks into the room and looks at all of you, a warm smile on his face until his eyes land on Escher as he recoils in fear for a second. He holds his position as he looks back and forth at all of you and he does not speak. No, no, he's he's fine now. He's an unlikely ally, like everyone else in this house. His eyes run the length of Escher, and you see a smile on Escher's face as he eyes Sergei up and down as well, both of them staring at each other before Escher crosses one leg over the other. Well, I can see that there are good genes in the von Zarovich line. Smirk from ear to ear. Sergei shudders slightly, looking at this horrific vampire in front of him as he, um... He's already taken. Should we take this to mean that you know each other? You're acquainted? We are not, but I do know of him. The one called Escher. He came to my sister far after my death for I did not know her in her own death. I only knew her in life. But if you say that you trust him or tolerate him, then I will too. I will withhold my judgment. Thank you, uh, because we do have very important business, uh, Victoria. Yes, we've come upon something and we would like your opinion on it. And I'll reach into the folds of my dress and pull out the hairpin. He looks at it and his eyes go wide. That is my mother's hairpin. She yes. would wear it before she turned from the Raven Queen. When she found the light of the Morning Lord, this is... How did you come by this piece? It was not easy. It was hidden away. Shijanya kept it hidden, very, very well secured, but she dare not touch it or go near it. His eyes look saddened for a moment as he seems to be deep in thought, but 
he reaches out and he's able to take it from you. As he holds it in his hand, he mutters to himself, but it's so soft you're not able to make out the words. I... I do not understand. She told me that this was... She had left this far behind when she saw the light of the morning. I will need time for this. I will need time to think and to to inspect and to work with this piece. It is not of my god, but it radiates with that of another religion. Yes. I cannot give you answers in this moment, but I do hope I will be able to give you answers in time. At least a few hours. I will need it is implied that it perhaps can aid us in our final battle with the Countess. I would examine all of its properties to be used as a weapon, not an object of worship. It would be so fitting a thing, the worshipper of the Raven Queen, her daughter turned to undeath. This saddens me to see. It is cruel irony. And he he clutches it tight, and you can see one small tear roll down his face at the memory of his mother. What else can we discuss needs to be discussed? Well, have you heard that the wedding has been delayed till tomorrow? Time feels like it is not changing in this place. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, I know not any of it. But that is good to hear. It means we have more time. Yes. And time we will need. So we will need to discuss plans on how that evening may go, but I believe you studying that hairpin is more important. Then I will make my I will take my leave. There is one more thing that we have discovered that there apparently is some sort of seat of power of a horrible ancient evil that has taken its reins of your sister. There's a heart in a tower in Ravenloft. You see for a moment Asher begin to shift uncomfortably against the wall. A heart that even Shredanya herself cannot gaze into for very long. It perhaps could be why she returns again and again and again. Perhaps it is connected to the choker on her neck. But either way, it is one of the final remaining mysteries surrounding your sister's fate. This is not something I can speak on, for I do not know of what became of this castle after my death. But him, he may have the answers you seek. As he looks to Asher, his eyes darting from his feet to his head. 
Have you been withholding information from us, vampire? Escher chokes back a, um, he chokes back a, uh, what almost sounds like a whimper, but uh, he tries to guise it with a quick cough. Well, that depends on what you mean by holding back. Thank you, by the way, Uh, Sergei. I love having the attention all on me, and you are getting far too much of it. I'm going to, as quickly as I can, close the distance between myself and Escher, and reach into my cloak and pull out the holy symbol of Ravenkind. I can produce the light of the sun from this amulet. I have singed your putrid undead flesh before, and I will do it again. This is a matter of life and death. The fate of the cosmos could depend on this. Stop withholding information. Are you our ally or are you not? Escher shrinks back against the wall for just a second before he reaches out and he pats you on the arm. You can tell that there's real fear as he's looking at this amulet. Um, Now, now, Sarnax, there's no need to get, there's no need to get in a tiff. We can talk about this like gentlemen. Put down the amulet and we'll have a discussion. But I think your friend wants to make his way to take a look at that hairpin. So let's allow him the moment to leave to say his goodbyes. Stand down. And we'll talk like friends. Stand down, Sonax. Shepard, you would never let him harm a hair on my glorious mane. Oh, you severely underestimate my ability to tell Sonax what to do. Yes, you do. (laughs) With a deep sigh, he looks at you as you slowly raise the amulet. I'm going to make my, take my leave now. I believe that you have this vampire in your control. Should you need me, call on me. We will. I need but a few hours. When you are done with what you need to do, come to me and I will handle things from there. Thank you, Sergei. His eyes linger on you for a second as you speak. And there's almost a moment of recognition. I have been deceived. But for her, I will always have forgiveness. As he turns, he bows his head almost in a sense of sadness as he walks from the room and does not expand on what he's saying. Well, that was awkward. Yes, that was someone like me that was incredibly uncomfortable brandishing these horrific godly icons and being scorned by a tiefling of impeccable attractiveness. I apologize for you feeling uncomfortable, Escher. But I do assure you that the the light of the sun will be far more uncomfortable on your skin. You are not one to mince words, are you, Zanax? No, I am not. What can you tell us about the heart? Well, I will say I'm, I'm a bit surprised one of your intelligence did not gleam from the journal you read exactly what Sarnax is speaking of. I'm surprised you haven't heard its whispers yet, but you have only been in the castle for so long. Why would any of us be hearing whispers? From the moment I came to this castle, I heard them. 
They don't reach out to me the way they do to her, but they reach out all the same. Valenta is affected by them, the most of the brides. Is there a way to stop these whispers? Not that I know of. And if there was, Stradonia would have done it years ago. A dark tower at the very top of the castle houses a heart, a crystal heart of some sort that beats, it ever beats, and its madness courses through the castle, infecting, affecting any who stay here for too long. It's awful. It's quite awful. Traps surround the entrance to it. Neither living nor undead can walk through that door. So, if you want to do something with it, good luck. Is there no workaround, no secret passage you found or heard of? Not that I've... I mean, to be fair, what do I have need of a pulsing, horrific heart that whispers? I've had no need. Do you doubt your own mind, Escher? My mind is a steel trap. Then you should be just fine. Well, I'm not going to take you there. Are you afraid, Escher? Never. He is clearly afraid. <laughs> Escher, I am not afraid. Shepard is not afraid because we have the armor and shield of our god, Garrix the Fire Lord. Regardless of whether you're afraid of the heart or not, you'll never get to it. Neither living nor dead can walk through that door. So, unless there is... No, that foul creature. Which, you? Are you referring to yourself? Sonax, I am trying to help you here, Sonax. Let me have my dramatic moment, please. I'll step back. <laughs> now, nothing can get through that door, neither living nor dead. So unless you have... Oh, that See, it was not as effective the second time. Yes, you should have ruined the moment. Good. Regardless, there, there is a creature. His, and his dramatic flair is enchanting you all. I am happy to minimize it. He walks over and he wraps his arm around you. That is the nicest thing you have said to me all day. Say it again, Sarnax, my dramatic May we get on with it, please? Victoria, what has the Raven Queen done to you? You do look quite ravishing when your breasts heave in exasperation. Mind <clears throat> your mess. <clears throat> Well, we would like the information, please. We don't have that much time. Fine, fine. Many, many years ago, there was a man, a jester, that came to the castle. He delighted us, he delighted us all. And an inventor, to keep Stradonia happy, created a clockwork man. One that could eternally captivate Stradonia. Now, the clockwork man himself, Af aptly named Piddlewick II, was not quite a replica. Whereas Piddlewick himself was funny and jovial, charismatic, 
and warm. Piddlewick II was dark and vengeful and jealous. Knowing he could never live up to the man he was born from, he pushed him from the highest parapet of the tower. Poor Piddlewick did not know what was coming for him. Piddlewick II, however, remains one of Anastasia's toys. She finds him quite entertaining in his wickedness. And it still functions. Oh, yes. We heard of a mechanical man, did we not? We did. Absolutely. Blinsky asked us to look into it. Well, he was obsessed. Does it have a mind of its own? A murderous I, mind of I its own? I am so clever that I realized that neither living nor dead could walk through that door, but Piddlewick himself is neither living nor dead, so I imagine if you're able to convince the man he could disable the trap for you. But are you sure? Do you want to see this horrific abomination? Do you want your eyes to befall this thing? For yes. I cannot tell you what will happen should you enter that room. We need to destroy it. We must we strike at the heart of this evil, especially if there's a chance that Stradania oh, may And what could possibly damage something this evil, this old, this ancient? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm worried about. I've seen those implements do plenty of damage. This is not flesh and blood. This is something different, something powerful. We cannot attempt to destroy it unless we set our eyes on it, Escher. We have no choice. Yes. And we will figure it out. Even if we don't destroy it tonight, we should investigate and learn. If don't that's the say key. I did not warn you. We need to make the whispers stop. Have you heard them, Professor? Are they getting to you, tugging at your mind? No, 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 I, ha I haven't, but for your sake and Shredania's. Are you certain you have not heard the whispers, Professor? Of course not. Have you? Of course not. I'm going to roll an inside check on this fucker. Yes, please do. <laughs> or I would, rather, I would like to determine if he's lying. Yes, I hate to do that. Yes, roll an insight, so roll a deception, and you can determine oh. what happens. You know oh, the rolls. Sarnax. It's a roll-off. It's a roll-off, folks. I'm standing near Sarnax, and my eyes have just kind of narrowed at the professor while I'm listening to this exchange. I need my best one. There's a beat of 29. I rolled the 19, so it's a 22. Oh! Uh, Clayton is uh, clearly lying. Professor, are you withholding information from your expedition? Why would I? Because perhaps if you hear the whispers as Tradania does, you fear what may happen to your mind. You doubt your sanity. You perhaps may doom us even further. Perhaps you are even more of a liability than Victoria herself I've is. I've gotten us all this far, have I not, Sarnax? Oh, all right, all right, let's not fall to infighting now. But if you have close. gotten us this far, Shepard, what if he has gotten us this far and if he is hearing whispers, 
What if he is following them, leading us this far, at the service of some higher being, the same service that Shradanya does? Do you not think that powers in this castle could kill us instantly, eviscerate us? At a moment's notice, we could be killed like that. Do any of us doubt that? Anyone? No. Asher? This is not my fight. I'm not part of this fight. If you want me to lead you to that thing, I will lead you to it. I made the decision on whom to kill. Is that correct, Sarnax? Yes. You have been making many decisions lately, Professor. Yes. So, So certain as well. And whom did you consult, I wonder? I consulted all of you. Sarnax, I get what you're saying. I understand. I understand the concern, but at the end of the day, we're all individual people. We're making decisions as a group. And if something doesn't sit right with you or doesn't feel right, then speak up. But until then, the things the professor has just kind of suggested and done has been logical. And we followed along. Now, if you don't think we should go see this heart, then say something. We should see the heart. I am not saying we avoid it, but I'm saying we, you, Professor, must steal yourself. Ensure that you still have agency. Ensure that your will is your own, because if it is not, we are all doomed. Do you understand that, Professor Azran? Sarnax. Yes. I have seen the head of a young lady removed from her body. I have seen hags, their corpses, boning. I have eaten the bones of witches. You laugh, Karna, but think of it. After making a bargain with an evil star, I've eaten bones and sprouted wings. What's the worst we could see? Do you suspect that'll be worse than that? That is the only thing that scares me. Yes, I do suspect. And let's think, even if it is, what choice do we have? We do not. Then why are we even having a discussion? Because I am confident I will not succumb to the whispers. I am not confident you will not. That is my concern. I am not castigating you, Professor. I am not even challenging your authority in this expedition. I am just warning you. Be alert. Steal your mind. Or else you are doomed and we are as well. Professor Azran, if I may ask, what are your intentions with this crystal heart? I want to ensure that all of our intentions are aligned before we put ourselves at risk because if your intention is to take that thing back home for further archaeological analysis I hope you know that you would be putting all of Avantris at great peril no no that's not my goal can I insight check him mm-hmm. you're on fire <laughs> <laughs> uh, dirty 20 dirty 20 so, oh, what are the numbers? 
Uh, oh no, dirty twenty, dirty twenty. If in a contest, yeah. uh, the basically nothing happens. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You so win. Now. The defender wins. Yes. The defender meets the, the, yeah. the defender wins. So you think I'm truthful? Okay. Yeah. I believe that. I mean, we know now that, like Sonak said, the very cosmos and the material plane, most importantly, could be in danger. So it is of the utmost importance that we destroy it, kill it, remove the seat of power, as Shredanya said herself. If we can do that, then maybe that is how we break this curse. So we all agree we are to destroy this heart. Yes. If we can, yeah. Yes. I will stop at nothing until it is destroyed. Good. All right. Can you take us there, Nisha? Or at least to this mechanical man? <sighs> oh, boy. I not want to have to spend time with that foul, loathsome creature. I will restrain from kicking it. I would suggest you do the same. If you want into that room, you are going to need on to get on its good side, of which I'm not sure it has one. So, if you really want to do this, I will take you. Between the five of us, I'm sure we can find a way. He's here in this castle. Oh, yes. Always. Lucas? Lucas appears in <laughs> some form. Could you hold off on dinner? You look where Lucas should be, and you know that these servants are incorporeal. They're you in, invisible, as it were. But where you imagine Lucas would be, you see... Lucas slump as once again a piece of parchment appears on a silver platter and a quill begins to write Arabelle it is with regret that we must postpone dinner we will see you later this evening yours Clayton and the Azran expedition I'm not taking the heat for this one. And I put my hat on and I start to like walk I mean, away. Is that fine? Should we go now or should we eat first? I mean, I'm not entirely hungry. Well, I'm not, I don't want to eat either, but I ain't taking the heat for this one. But if we are to leave now, may I do one thing? But I want to assure Well, uh, perhaps I was too hasty and I should be more amenable. I will not eat if we attempt to have dinner now. All right, you may do what, what you will. Please sit comfortably around the fireplace wherever you see fit and I will take out my Naginata and I'll um, I'll even motion to Escher the lamps please be careful <laughs> oh, I'll just move all the chandelier like two feet to the left just to to dodge it uh, Escher you as well this should only tingle a little bit I assure you no harm will come to you what are you um, about I have uh, written something for this very moment uh, um, and uh, my Naginata will kind of glow in this bluish tinge for a moment um, as I pull it out, and I will set it on the ground as to not touch the fine carpet in the wood, and I will trace a ring around all of us uh, using Ring of Peace. 
And for one minute, oh. uh, we I choose eight allies to uh, have a long, I'm sorry, a short rest. Mm. Um, and as I uh, pace the room, I will, uh, I will say a small prayer that I've written. Mm. A crystal heart throbbing, the most radiant beauty, bride veiled in shadow. Ooh. Nice. It's a haiku. A haiku. I feel <laughs> more at peace. Escher, Professor Azran, forgive me for my temper earlier. I have been feeling conflicted the past several days. And forgive me, it's been a rough day. Yes, it has. Your minds are calmed and your souls have been soothed by the ring of peace. Very cool. (laughs) Very cool. Short rest. short rest. God, when's the last time we had a short rest? I know. I was like, I don't remember how to do this. We're gonna, yeah. If we're leaving to go do more tower shenanigans, like yeah. we better do that this. That was a damn good roll. So, yes, I, I can take you to the creature, but it will be quite the task. Are you sure this is what you want to do? I mean, I don't see it either any other way. We have no choice. We must. Any warnings we should heed before we meet him? Any tributes we should bring to gain his favor? I wouldn't be the person to know. I despise the foul thing, and I do my best to stay away from it as much as I can. Understood. Well, we'll figure it out when we get there. All right, then. Are you ready? Your letter has been sent to the rambunctious tiny one. Yes. yes. I'm sure she will be fine. We should, however, probably get a move on before she reads it fully. Yes, let's go quickly. (laughs) Come on, and I'll lead the way, and I'll 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 go up the stairs. I'll scooby-doo run up the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) You quickly make your way out of the mansion, up into the room that you were given, and then once again, Asher begins to lead you through through the castle. Uh, It's even darker now than it had been before. It's quiet, all but sounds of screaming that can be heard off in random corridors, randomly. Um, Never in the same place, but you know that there are foul creatures in this place, unlike you could have ever imagined. And you haven't seen half of what this castle could expose to you. But with Escher's help, you are lucky that you don't meet any of them on your travels. Everything seems to steer clear of one of Shredania's consorts. You're you're finally led into an area which looks familiar to you, the entranceway, where you had entered into Castle Ravenloft, where you had turned and had dinner with Shredania for the first and only time. He begins to lead you towards that dining area, but swiftly makes a turn directly to the left, a small door you hadn't noticed before. Well, the servants' dining quarters are in here, so this is where they come to play. I've warned you. He opens the door, and the smell of putrid flesh hits your nostrils. 
far before your eyes fully adjust. Corpses dangle from chains shackled to the ceiling. Bodies in cages dressed up in the tattered garments of, what, a tea party? Vests and dresses, all of them holding cracked teacups. A large rectangular wooden dining table sits in the very center, completely surrounded by chairs. Piles of corpses and skeletons line the walls. And at first, you see no movement. At first, it looks that you are in a room of the dead until you notice that not all of the chairs are housed by the dead, but three forms sit at random points around the table. One of them, a hunched over man, partially disfigured, his hands glowing with fire that he's having trouble controlling as he slowly, his hands shaking, he slowly pours tea into a cracked cup as he hands it to a beautiful young girl who sits across the table from him, her eyes wide. She couldn't be more than 17. Her face is pale, her lips red as she smiles lovingly at the disfigured man that you know to be Isaac sitting across from her. And immediately to her right, propped up on plush pillows, moth-eaten and, and tattered, is the semblance of a clockwork man, a jester with a painted face. His leathers appear to be sewn together bits and pieces of human skin. His facial expression meant to look jovial and comical, but slightly sinister, as they all enjoy their tea together laughing. You watch as this young girl strokes the matted hair of this clockwork man, and he looks at her almost fondly as all of them turn and look at you. Immediately, almost quick as lightning, the clockwork man jumps, jumps from his chair and skitters over to you and draws a blade as Escher steps in front of you and looks down. I would think twice about that, you foul, loathsome beast. The clockwork man shrinks back. They bring friends. <sighs> Come in, join us for tea. As he smiles at all of you, his wooden and it looks like wooden uh, leather and bits of metal make up his face as it slowly creaks open into a partial smile, iron teeth shaved to a point. As he looks at all of you, bends over and ushers you towards the tea table. His eyes linger on Escher, hatred, but unwilling to make a strike at one of Stradania's cohorts. You were warned, take a seat. You'll be here, you'll stay. I will join you, oh. but only because I must. Well, Piddlewick the second, and you notice how he puts the emphasis on the second as Piddlewick's face gets angry and contorted. Let us have afternoon tea, or evening tea in this case. As he strides over towards the table, he pulls one of the chairs back, the wood grates on the cobbled, uh, or on the stone floor, as he sits at the table and 
One of his boots stomps heavily onto the table as he crosses his legs and stares at Izek and this woman. They both look at him at first with anger and frustration. Izek makes a move, his the fire in his hand starting to glow brightly as the woman reaches over. No, Izek, don't. We can play with them. He's cute, but not as cute as you are, my love. Let us, let us enjoy tea after supper, yes? And she smiles at all of you, her smile meeting her eyes, but there's an emptiness, a darkness behind it. As Piddlewick taps his foot. Go, sit, all of you, sit, enjoy tea. How do you do, everyone? Uh, did, have we met Isaac before, or did we just see him we from just, afar? You have seen him from afar, but you've never actually met him. But he knows of you because of the Burgomaster. My name is Professor Clayton Azran. Uh, this is my expedition. Uh, first, Isaac, I'm sorry to hear about the Burgomaster. Um, but we, we, we know of you, and we know how powerful you are. It's very impressive. And uh, and your name and I'll so I'll, does he? I'll reach out to shake Isaac's hand. <laughs> he looks up at you, but he makes no motion to shake your hand. His eyes dart to the woman across the table from him, and she gives him a shallow smile. And you see, as the the embers on his on his fingers begin to extinguish slightly, he nods at her, but he says nothing back. As he gulps back a retort, he you watch as he reaches to his side and he pulls up the decaying body of a Barovian villager. He pulls a pair of rusted silver shears out of his pocket and he begins to cut the hardening flesh from the body in pieces and scraps. And you see where he's created a pile as he takes a rusty needle and he begins to stitch the pieces together can see where a pocket had been formed and a button, and you realize that he is making the outfits for their guests. But he says no word to you. All right. Uh, And you, young lady. She reaches out and she grabs your hand. Welcome. What is your name? Sit. Gertruda. Gertruda. Sit. Enjoy. This will be lovely. Oh, to have... Isaac and Piddlewick and new friends here this evening. The night before a wedding, how joyous. Join us, join us. Are there clearly enough open seats for all of us? There are no open seats. In every single one of the chairs, there is a body that is, most of them at this point have fully decayed. Skeletons at best with pieces of leathery skin hanging from them. I'm gonna walk over to one of the chairs. Uh, my hand is still on one of my uh, pistols, um, and just under my breath, fucking hell! And I'm gonna use my boot to kick uh, the remains of one of these corpses out of the chair, and then try to like, you know, like scrape the crap off of whatever's on the seat and like pull it out and try to sit down. You are able to do that. The mamu mala each hand is push a body off a chair. There are any cushions, or is it just all chairs? All chairs. There's only one seat that has cushions, and that's the one directly next to Gertruda that has uh, that was for Piddlewick. And it, it's at this point you see as he's slowly climbing. He's maybe 
two and a half feet tall at best as he's climbing up the chair and um, seating himself on the uh, at the top of the cushions. I'll wait to see where um, Victoria sits and then I will just gently lift the dead body from where she's heading and offer her the seat. And I'll put the dead body carefully on the ground. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I'll I'll just slide into the seat and just... I'll scoot her chair in. And then I'll sit, I'll like clear off the seat next to her and I'll sit next to her. I'll like grab the chair and I'll like drag it back and I'll just do kind of a dump truck motion. <laughs> it's uh, part of it is part of the bone is caught on one of the filigreed uh, metal um, irons and it is shaking and shaking and rattling. The sound is echoing throughout this room. Isaac doesn't even flinch as he continues to sew the skins together. Uh, Piddlewick claps and laughs. He seems to be enjoying this. Uh, Gertruda looks at Piddlewick with fond eyes as she strokes his hat, um, happy that he's enjoying this as the body finally tumbles down and you take your seat. And you, Kittlewick, we hear you're quite a fine jester, is that right? He turns and he looks at you. I need you to roll a uh, deception check. Do you roll your importance today? Uh, I did. Uh, should I twist it? I rolled a one. Yes. 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 Thank you, chat. Thank you, thank you, chat. Thank you for the twist. Oh. Roll a nine. It's better. It's better than a three. She has to roll one side. Yeah, I do. And so you are lucky because I rolled an eight. So. Phew. <laughs> he looks at you for a moment and his face, that perpetual sneer, almost looks more grotesque as a smile fully lights his face. I am best. Best jester. Always. Would you like to see a trick? Uh, yes, please. And he scampers back down, grunting and groaning as he makes his way. Um, you hear the pattering as he moves across the room to the to one of the corners, and he begins throwing pieces of flesh, dead bodies here and there, until he comes out with two infant skulls, and he begins to start juggling them. He hops from one from one foot to the next. He flips himself over onto his head as he begins to juggle with his hands and his feet. The clanking of his mechanical body and the sound of the skulls smashing up against um, the pieces of this mechanical man. You see as shards of the bone fly this way and that as they crack. And just as he's finished, he splays out on the ground with one skull in one hand, one on the other, his legs crossed. You like... Very nice. Lovely. Incensed, very, very nice, everyone. Yes. by your clapping, he stands up and tosses the skulls to the side as he sweeps into a bow. Yes. Would you like to hear a joke? Bravo! Yes, please, uncle. Yes. Why did the monkey fall out of the tree? Why? It was dead. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac and Irene, uh, I'm Irene, Isaac and Gertruda burst into laughter as this, as this horrific court jester sweeps into yet another bow. Good one, Shepard, right? 
Yeah, great. <laughs> uh, it's funny enough to laugh, yes? Yeah, I'm laughing. <laughs> time, for, just how he time for a feast, then. As he makes his way to yet another pile of bone, you see as he scrapes a rusted silver platter to the side, he starts to pull uh, fetid, rotting meat onto the platter. He brings it over and hands it to Isaac, who places it in the very center. You will all eat now. Snacks. Uh, this. You watch as Gertruda, almost lifeless, reaches down and grabs a bone, just a pure bone, and begins to start gnawing on it. That was lovely, Piddlewick. So lovely. How old does she look? No older than 17. Okay, so like late teens. Uh, any family resemblance to uh, Mad Mary? Easily. They're they're near they're near exactly like just her, but she more looks like her mom. Yes. Oh well. Um, <clears throat> Sonax loves meat. Professor, yes, I that actually take offense. Yes, it is a stereotype that my kind prefer to eat deceased remains of humanoids, but I do not partake in such behavior. Escher thumps his boot onto the table as he switches his legs, keeping them crossed. He looks over at Piddlewick. I would partake, you know, but vampirism... I don't enjoy the flesh, just the blood. So you will excuse me for not enjoying your hideous meal. Piddlewick's body kind of irks up. They seem very frustrated at each other. If you weren't hers, I would feast on you. Uh, calm down, Piddlewick. It's fine. This makes me happy. This brings me joy just as you do. Let us enjoy time together. Yes. Uh, I think that you'll find we're all unable to eat right now for the excitement we feel. Like Piddlewick jumps Piddlewick. up onto the um, onto his, his plush uh, cushions. You dare decline the feast we've laid before you. You dare decline to dine in the presence of Gertruda. No, no, it's just that we're so excited to be here. We have much that we'd like to say to you. Questions to ask. He looks between Gertruda and Escher, torn between two places, pure hatred and pure love. As she raises one hand and she pulls on his pantaloons. Sit, Piddlewick. We will not force them to eat. You would not force me to eat, for I am of the living too. He nuzzles into her, a look of pure wickedness, but a wicked love and devotion to her. Just tea then, for this lovely tea party. Piddlewick's eyes narrow in on you as he once again reaches into his, his pockets and he pulls out bones. This time it appears to be that of a large rat and a large owl skull as he begins to, to juggle them, no longer speaking to you. Gertruda stands up and she grabs the pot of tea as she begins to pour it. The smell of it is putrid. The water 
um, standing water for far too long. Definitely never heated a thick layer of uh, moss and algae, um, bits and chunks of bugs and other things float to the top. Please, we brewed it today. As she takes a sip, you can see she's having a hard time drinking it, but she's trying to keep her countenance. This, um, this visage that she's putting on, this image cracking just a little, but she drinks the tea. I don't pretend to give up all of the habits of my kind. Extra flies, please. She looks confused, but she pours a little more tea for you. Does she seem undead at all? Uh, Roll a medicine check. That's like a 13. Yeah, uh, she she even mentioned that she was one of the living, and as you look mm. her over, you notice that there doesn't seem to be any bite marks on her. You are harkened back to the journal that you read, Stradania's journal, where she mentions allowing her in and allowing Anastasia to have her as a pet, and that she hadn't fed of her yet. And you, from what you can see, none of them have fed on her as of yet. Would you like to maybe sample a different kind of tea? Probably one you haven't heard of before. Indeed, right. I believe we both have partaken in different kinds of tea. Exactly We've been right. from faraway lands. Roll a persuasion check. I also brought tea. But it does uh, not have flies was, and was algae Con- in it. Was Connor <laughs> helping me? Yes, so you can roll an advantage. I didn't care. So three, twelve. Uh, that is a fourteen. Kittlewick slams his hand on the table. What we have isn't good enough for you. No, no, I was just wanting to offer a variety, perhaps something new and exciting and fresh from far off lands. It's called Boggest Fog. Isn't that interesting? Her eyes linger on you for a moment as she turns toward Piddlewick. She puts her hand on his mechanical knee. We will allow it. She looks at you, her face stone-faced. She reaches across the table and she strokes the hand of Izek. He watches his body shudders at the touch of her. Uh, take my case up. Uh, I like new things. Yes. Everything here has been new and not at all what I expected. But you must do. Uh, Lucas, one oh, part of tea, please. <laughs> oh, I like that. It's different. Yes, yes. Well, we are quite different from what you may be used to in this land. A I like naming inanimate objects. Oh, then you'll love judgment and redemption. Shepherd's trusty weapons. Her head kind of lolls back and forth, almost entranced by just your words. Show me. Show the lovely young woman my weapons. Yes, they're inanimate objects that have names. I'm going to lean back and I will take redemption out of the left holster and kind of slam it on the table. Not without 
being in arm's reach of myself. I'm going to kill you if you do that one more time. You watch as Piddlewick stands up, his entire body large and impressive, almost as if he's grown two more feet from where he was. You see gears and things extended as he turns his head, his entire body still facing you as his head turns towards Escher, who you see has been throwing small animal bones and hitting him squarely in the chest. It was an accident. I did not... uh, My hand slipped. Make sure the safety's on. Piddlewick slowly lowers back down to his small form, up two and a half feet. One eye firmly on Escher, his other eye firmly on you, as you unholster judgment and redemption. Which one is this? Well, this, of course, is redemption. Judgment's right here, and I'm still holding on to judgment. And I and, and redemption's just sitting in front of me on the table. And why did you name them that? Well, to be honest, uh, I, I didn't make them. The, the man who made them, uh, he had a penchant for, for naming the things that he invented and, and created. And, and uh, well, he named them, actually. A man naming weapons. A doctor. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. The doctor. The, the good Dr. Cogburn. <gasps> I enjoy that name. Cogburn. Cogburn. Like Cogburn. the cogs in my dearest Piddlewick. And you see as she moves towards him and she spins one of the cogs in his chest. Bit of a beat, but yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the, the doc was, was real good with uh, contraptions and uh, inventions and things. Uh, Did yeah. you hear that, my sweet? And she turns to Piddlewick. The one who gave him those things was good with inventions like you. Yes. Could make you a friend. I don't need friends. I only need Gertruda. He reaches out and he touches her face. She smiles into him. She turns and looks at you again. I I mean, that's kind of it. Just what they are. I like them. Me too. Thank you. Not to be confused with justice and redemption. No, judgment. 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 That was my mistake. Right. Um, well, uh, oh, tea's ready, and uh, the tea will float Uh, out, and I'll take the the, the pot, um, and I'll take a couple of teacups from Lucas. I'll just like gently laying and down the mono, tea cups. and I'll just sort of go around and I'll pour everybody a cup. I'll set it set it in front of everybody. Uh, so hopefully you enjoy this tea as much as your local tea here. She reaches out and she grabs the cup. Did you pour one for Piddlewick? I did. Piddlewick reaches out and takes the cup. You watch as he inspects it and slams it down on the table, causing it to crack the tea spilling everywhere. He then begins to lick. A long, leathery tongue spills out, rolls out from his mouth as he begins to lick and lap up the tea from the inside of the broken cup. Gertruda smiles at him, giggles a little. Isaac seems completely unfazed, only occasionally looking up and with pure longing at Gertruda across the tables, he continues to stitch the human skins together. She picks up her teacup and she takes a soft sip and you see almost 
in a full heave of relief, the taste of real tea as she begins to almost, almost um, uh, gulp down the tea. She holds out the cup for another. Piddlewick looks at you, his eyes boring into you, one of them rolling around in his head lifelessly. I'll mage hand her another, another pour. And she consumes that one. She reaches out for a third. I'll just keep this going. And she, this one, she begins to nurse More tea, slowly. please. I'll yell down another case. While they're all pouring tea and distracted, I want to like peer over my teacup around the room and try to um, kind of foster more information about the space that Piddlewick is in, if there's any clues about uh, the, the heart here that I may clean. Roll a perception check. Ooh, uh, 24. Looking around the room, you're easily able to see that this looks to be a dumping ground, that there appears to be a haphazard chute in the four different corners of the room where the bodies themselves are being dumped. Um, You are able to look and see that two of the bodies in the top of one of these piles you recognize, they had been chained together. You had been asked to, they had pleaded with you for their salvation. Their bodies now severely tortured, beginning to decay on the top of this pile. But it seems to be nothing more than that. This room itself has been, uh, there are three beds in one corner, one very small, matching the sizes of the three people that you're with. This appears to be the place that they stay. And uh, there's nothing more to glean from that. This is just their macabre tea party. No doors that I can see? that. Just the one that you came in through. Okay. Time goes by so quickly and so slowly all at the same time. Who knows? But it's been lovely learning how to be royalty. I'm sure. Polite conversation uh, I'm engaging in. Do you, are you aware of, of which castle you are in? <laughs> oh, Castle Ravenloft, of course. Mm. And I uh, look around. <laughs> if I do what I'm told, Anastasia promises I will get to meet the Countess. So I smile and we party. Ah, you haven't met her yet. No, but I will. I can't wait to meet her. And Anastasia tells me that as long as I do as I'm told, as long as the young learns, one day I will be mature enough to meet her. Well, uh, I'm sure that will happen one day. Uh, Where are you from, Gertruda? The village of Barovia. Ah, I thought so. Now I live here. I see, well, I have a surprise for you. Are you ready? Yes. Guess what it is. The blood of the innocent. Uh, no, something happier. A fresh kill. Mm, let me, let me just give it to you. Uh, <laughs> curio, and my case will open up and I'll reach down and I'll say, remember her? <gasps> Molly. You do remember How her. How did you find her? 
Oh, your eye is just where I left it. Yes. Mostly off of your face. <laughs> well, oh. we happened to be traveling through Grovia Village and we ran into your mother. We let her know that we were coming up here for a wedding and she, uh, she asked us to give you the doll and maybe, uh, you know, I, I think that she misses you dearly and perhaps you should go pay her a visit. I can't. Why not? Anastasia says I must stay. I must mature so that I can meet Stratania. What if we oh, helped Molly. you take a vacation? <laughs> we all die together. Oh, we do, don't we? We all die together. Well, just consider it and maybe ask for just maybe like a week. I'm just a week at home. You see a look of anger on Piddlewick's face as he watches Gertruda, his Gertruda, begin to love on and hold on to morbid Molly. You can see as his anger begins to build. Um, well, maybe, maybe later. Just wanted to give you that. Um, do I see any, like, change of recognition? Like... Of a different Quick as a almost. flash, you see as he rips the doll from Gertruda's hands, severs the neck from its body, but not fully, completely, nearly headless Molly is now hanging there <laughs> as he begins to toss it. Almost quick as lightning, Gertruda grabs it. Pedalwick, you've made it even better for me. Oh, you sweet thing. She stands up on near tiptoes as she places a kiss on the clockwork man's cheek. A smile, vicious, evil, haunting, graces his face. Yeah, I tried. Uh, mm, well, anyway, it's been lovely. Um, uh, Piddlewick, we hear you are very skilled with uh, contraptions yourself. I need you to roll a dexterity saving throw. Knife mm. mm. in the chest. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Come on. Come on, DBR. Uh, I know it's plus 13, so it's uh, 24, uh, 24. You hear the sound before you see it as a knife whizzes towards you. You dodge the side as it sticks into the wooden, um, the wooden carvings at the very back of your chair. Ah, missed. Oh. Yes, I do tricks. Only tricks for the missus. Well, our Victoria here is soon to be betrothed to the lady of this castle. Yes, boring thing. Yes, but we, Stradonia and I, were hoping maybe you could play part in the wedding. I do tricks for all of us. Lead games for our guests. Roll a deception check. Thank God, I'm good at that. Ooh. <laughs> Would you say deception? Yeah. Look good. Twenty. No, thirty. Yeah, Ooh, yes, baby. His eye is alight. Yes. Oh, Piddlewick would love to entertain cathedral full of guests. We'll do it. Lovely. If. The missus agrees. 
and he turns and looks longingly down at Gertruda. Her face falls. She cradles the near headless form of morbid Molly. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to be without you, Pitwick. You're my true friend. It's been so long without Molly. The loneliness is difficult. No, I don't think I will. I don't think I'll let you. But Miss Gertrude, you would of course accompany Piddlewick as his honored guest and meet the Countess at the wedding. Roll a persuasion check. Pretty good. Twenty-five. She looks at. She's looking down. Slowly tilts her head up. Her eyes angle up towards you. You can make that happen. Of course. I. I have matured enough. I'm ready. I don't see why not. I'm not sure what the drinking age is in Barovia, but I'm sure we could make some arrangements. Of course. And you'd like that, wouldn't you? Yes. And all I have to do is allow Piddlewick to go to the wedding. Oh, just about, yes. There is one other thing. What? Um, something that we're looking for in the castle. We think that you and Piddlewick might be able to help us. I don't leave this room. I can't help you. But, Piddlewick, do you know of what they speak? His eyes roll towards you. His head lolls to the side. He shakes his head now. Well, Professor, would you like to tell them? Yes, if you could join us to the highest tower in the castle, uh, and perhaps we hear that there's a door that's very special that you alone can enter. Being the great Littlewick. Yes, very great and powerful. His smile broadens. It throbs. It pulses. Ah, so you do know it. We thought you would. Fear. I love the taste of fear. Well, so what, Victoria? The air tastes fresh there. Would you take us there? Let you in? And let us in, yes. Can I watch? Yeah, yes, that's fine. Yes. All right. If the mistress wills it. Meaning, the fact that Victoria is asking you as her soon-to-be wife. Gertrude is the missus. Oh, all right. Gertrude? Will you allow that? When? When will you take him? Now would be perfect. Ideal, yes. It will give you plenty of time to prepare yourself for the wedding tomorrow. The first time you see Isaac tilt his head up. We could have some alone time together, Gertruda. And his face brightens. Mm. A flush rushes 
to his cheeks. She shrinks back a little and giggles. I didn't mean to say it in front of everyone. Yes, you can take him. But he must return in one piece. Yes. We'll take very good care of him. Of course. All right, well, this has been yes. lovely. Hopefully you enjoyed the tea. Um, are we ready to go? Excellent. Delicious. It was lovely to meet you. Congratulations. I'll see you at the wedding. Yes, thank you, dear. You look really tired. Thank you, dear. I'm sure they'll have makeup. Yes. Goodbye. Sure uh, goodbye. <laughs> Piddling, please lead the way. please. <laughs> he jumps from his seat and begins to skitter towards the door, saying nothing. He wrenches it open. He bows as he looks at you and points the way. All right. Get me out of this nightmare room. <laughs> Screw here. All right. Let us go. Yes. Escher follows behind quickly. And as he walks forward, you see as he stumbles for a second, as he looks over, he grabs Piddlewick by the scruff of his collar and pulls him up eye to eye. And Piddlewick looks down at him with a gleeful grin. Naughty, naughty. You don't want me to lead you astray now, do you? Put him down, Asher, please. You foul loops creature. Stop it. He places him on the ground and he pats his head a little harder than would be uh, appropriate. Very well done, thank you. As, uh, as as we're leaving, way. I'd like to kind of poke my head back into like the tea party. It's like I kind of have like another, like another thought. I like to lean in, and if Gertrude is still there, I'd say, uh, "Miss Gertruda, uh, did your mother was your mother correct in saying you were a fan of dream pastries?" Yes. How, how many may you have eaten in your lifetime, if you had to guess? I eat them every day. I have one in my pocket, if you'd like. I would recommend perhaps taking a break from dream pastries as a healer by trade. I couldn't imagine it. They're delectable. Very well. You'd want to save room for the wedding cake tomorrow. Would you not? I'm sure it'll be extra delicious. I'll only have one or two before bed. Very well. <clears throat> Good day. You're welcome anytime. The party is ever going. Enjoy. Thank you. All right, Piddlewick, please, quickly, if you could. Thank you. Piddlewick begins to lead you through the castle, up one floor and down the other. I need you all to roll a perception check for me. Oh, fuck. Nickelodeon. Woo! Sorry. I was doing, I was doing more, uh... Is it perception? Oh. Mm -hmm. uh, 19. 17. 23. 23. I am strong. 22. Uh, Sarnax and Shepard, I need you both to roll dexterity saving throws for me, please. Oh. Oh, that's cocked. That's a good one. That'll be a natural 20 plus a 23. 
Got 28. You will both only take half damage. Oh, Jesus. As you move throughout the entirety of the castle on multiple occasions, Clayton, Escher, Kana, Victoria, you're all able to, to sense when Piddlewick's misdeeds are about to happen. But Sarnax and Shepard, you are unable to notice it as Shepard, you're pushed down a flight of stairs. Your reaction time is quick as you're able to right yourself without fully plummeting to the bottom, taking uh, 21 points of damage. (laughs) Shepard! Was it like 30 flights? Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And as soon as you get up, Sarnax, you don't notice, as the rest of your party does, the sound of something flying through the air as a tiny dagger embeds itself into your into your abdomen. You take 21 <laughs> points of piercing damage, uh, but you're able to move in a way that it does not pierce any of your internal organs. Could I, uh, having perceived this, potentially use my reaction to intervene said dagger and rush to an ally and take the damage myself. You are able to take the damage on yourself as you rush in front of the Sarnix. Be careful. Did you just attempt to stab my cleric? I don't know what you're talking about. We're taking this hallway now as he turns and walks (laughs) down the hallway. Someone important almost got hurt. (laughs) (laughs) I would have been very (laughs) upset. It's fine. It's fine. Is this just regular piercing? Yeah. Okay. No. I'm glad we're just brushing over the fact he pushed me down. <laughs> I can't help you, Ferris. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. Do we definitely do. So these are not like like preset traps in the castle. No. These are things that he's This just is him being a little shit. Okay. Uh, I, I, I thought I was going to fall on the stairs and get pushed into Shepard. So. <laughs> So I would I would be concerned and I'd like to go help Shepard out when he gets pushed down the stairs. <laughs> it's too late for that, sorry. Oh. You fucked up. <laughs> I know that you don't really care about me. Oh Shepard, I'm sorry. <laughs> Cold blooded son of a bitch. I, I was I had a near daggered experience and, and thank goodness Kana just got stabbed instead of me. Yes, thank goodness. Oh, Shepard. Thank you, Garrett. Uh, Shepard, I'm uh, forgive me, please. Garrick's let your pet. I, I was, I, you know, when I heard of a mechanical man that Blinsky was interested in, you know how fond I am of Blinsky's toys. I'm aware. I thought that this fellow might be charming, but I think I, I don't care for it. Now, Shepard, don't blame your own clumsiness on our friend here. Of course not. Thank you. Please, my good man. Throughout tugs on Kana's uh, robe. Can I have my dagger back? I'll kneel down, not breaking eye contact with him, and I'll hand it back to him. Thanks. He takes it and he puts it in his pocket as he turns and continues to walk. (laughs) (laughs) Throughout the entirety of this journey, uh, having left the that horrible room that we were in, um, I would like to have been studying. this mechanical man and use Hunter Sense on him. Okay. Uh, so basically what I need to know is damage immunities, resistance, or vulnerabilities, and uh, what they are if they're not hidden from divination magic. Let me see if I can pull it up. Yeah, if it's if it's relevant or if it's not, don't sweat it. I just, you know. 
I'm ready to fucking bust a cap in this morning. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare, Sharon! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is all we have! <laughs> Everything's ruined if you do! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Let's see. So you need immunities, etc. Yeah, if you could. Uh, he's immune to poison. Um, he's immune to paralyzed, petrified, poison, necrotic, radiant. Ooh. Uh, and that's it. Okay. Does he have any vulnerabilities or, or uh, yeah, vulnerabilities? Uh, no. Can we presume he's a construct? Yes. Oh, Got Small construct. Cool. Perfect. Neutral evil. All right. That's all I needed. Well, you're doing a wonderful job leading us through this castle, so I would please do continue. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well done. Like. Yeah. Well, I should say. I said it was down this hall. Oh, well, let's go down this hall, everyone. Shepard, watch your step. <laughs> yes, Shepard's clumsiness has reminded me that um, we were told those many traps about. Did no one else Perhaps see Perhaps you the... should be more careful in checking around mm. things like that. How could I have forgotten? Yes. Shepard, I, I saw you were not clumsy No, no, no. I was the... <laughs> Sorry, next. Please, down the hallway, everyone. Yes. All right. Shepard, I know you're I, not clumsy. Thank, thank you. I, I know, yes. no matter what they say, I know you're not clumsy. Yep. Sarnax, thank you. I understand. Thank you. You continue to walk. 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour passes. You feel like you've been climbing stairwell after stairwell after stairwell. I need you all to roll a perception check. Oh. I can't wait for 21 to not be good enough. Well, Ooh, tell me what feet befalls poor Shepard now. <laughs> 22. 28. I got the same. I had a 17. I got a 14. <laughs> Here uh, we go 20, again. Oh, God. 21. You all make your way ahead as Sarnax. You feel a pressure at the back of your knees. Kittlewick <laughs> lunging himself into you. As the muscles give way, you crumble to your knees and smack your head squarely on the stone floor. <laughs> your nail! Sarnax! Sarnax! I'm gonna rush to Sarnax and like try to help him up. No, Jesus! Taking. Oh! oh. <laughs> Damn it! 19 <laughs> points of damage as you slam into as you slam into the stone. You hear the piddling sound of Piddlewick as he as he moves away. I'm gonna try to help him up. Are you, are you all right? Oh, oh my head, my nail. Oh, I like I'm reading. <laughs> Just put that back. As, as I'm as I'm helping him up, as I'm helping him up, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Under under my breath, but like two Sarnax, and like so that nobody else can hear. I'm as I'm helping Sarnax, I'm like, I'm gonna kill this little shit. <laughs> Did, him, did anyone else see It that? is just as you say that that you feel it around your neck, a small, Thank thin you, wire. As Piddlewick pulls it tighter, you are choking and choking and choking. I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. You did a fucking garrote me in front of my friends? <laughs> yeah. So can you roll a dexterity saving throw for me, please? Oh, yeah. I think so. Piddlewick, stop that right now. <laughs> 
23? You are able to shake him off quickly, but a thin line <gasps> appears on your neck where the, the thin wire was able to pierce into the skin just a little bit. A faint trickle of blood as Piddlewick hits the floor. A, a giggle erupts from him as he skitters again down the hallway. This way! Are you all right? Fucking kill him. No, no. I'm gonna fucking tear him limb from limb. Sonic, your lantern. Oh, thank, thank you, Carmen. There will your be nail. a time for that, Shepard. Just not now, please. <laughs> Keep it together. <sighs> I broke my nail. Oh, no. Can you, Shepard, are you all right? I'm fucking bleeding. Here, I will stay back and we'll hopefully fix all of this. <laughs> <laughs> Come hang back with me. Perhaps we can avoid his gaze in the back. Yeah, all right. Let's <laughs> keep moving. All right, I'll, I'll follow after. You like. hear a loud shriek as Escher up a, up ahead. You horrific piece of shit! I will kill you. <laughs> as you see steam rising off of him, Piddlewick holding a small vial of holy water. As Escher's trying Ooh, to pull the parts of his I will fucking end you. <laughs> Where did you find that? Escher, you all right? In this castle. Oh my god. I'm fine. I'm terrified. How much fucking farther do we have to go? Not too long now, right, Piddlewick the second? <laughs> Not much farther now. Two more flights and we're there. It's just a flesh wound. Uh, it is but a flesh wound. I, I'll, I'll put my uh, hand gingerly on your neck and cast Cure Wounds. I'm going to cast Cure Wounds on my finger. <laughs> Uh, to hopefully reattach the mail, uh, and uh, I'll give it to you, sure. Thank you, thank you. So you get ten points of healing, yes. and I your and nail I flies up into the I air, and begins to poke. I need you all to roll initiative. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh, this oh is the God. Adams Family special I've been looking for. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I cast animate object and all ten of Sarnax's fingers. It is yeah, you're you're able to do that. You Thank all um, <laughs> you all regain your composure. Uh, Escher seems to be calmed down after having Shepard speak to him first, uh, shocked as he uh, gains his composure motions for everyone to follow. You make your way up a few more flights of stairs before you find yourself spilling out into a long, uh, a long bridge on the parapet that leads to a tall tower, the tallest tower of Ravenloft. And as you step foot outside, you can hear it. Thump, 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 thump. You can feel it beneath your feet as the stones reverberate, reverberate beneath you. Piddlewick motions for all of you to stop and he thinks for a second, looking at all of you and looking down over the vast drop on either side of this bridge that leads towards this tower room. And you see, you see the thought cross his face. Imagine this was where Piddlewick I plummeted to his death. But he controls himself as he turns and heads towards the door. You can almost feel the magic humming here, the darkness that enshrouds this place. As Piddlewick makes his way to the door, 
he pulls a small tool out of his pocket and he begins to fumble with the door. It takes him 15, maybe 20 minutes to finally disarm the trap on the door as it slowly creaks open. Piddlewick motions you towards the door. As you get to it, you can barely see anything at all inside. A faint red mist swirls in front of you, not exiting the room, but it is there all the same, shrouding the insides from your vision. The thump, 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 getting louder and faster with every step you take towards the door. Escher steps back and shakes his head. I'll wait out here for you. I'll, I'll, I'll escort the little shit back to the kitchens and uh, come back to retrieve you. But I'm... That is not for me. And you're sure it's just the door and we're going to be all right to pass through? Well, he looks down at Piddlewick. If we can trust that it's done its job, then yes, but there's no way to tell. Hells. Thank you, gentlemen. Yes, thank you. Yes. Now, my reward. And he holds out his hand. Thank a reward is a job well done. Yes. No, give me a thing. A token of your appreciation. A token? Uh, let me take a quick look here. Uh, what do you like, Mr. Pitterwick? Gifts. Gifts? Um, uh, how about... Oh, I know what you like. This is perfect. This has been in my case this whole time and I haven't touched it. Uh... <laughs> Monum, and I'm going to use my mage hand to reach into the case and pull out a small knife. And I'll say, how about this? Yes. I like knife. this. He looks at all of you. Yes. I like this. Enjoy. Good luck. When he was unlocking the door, was he using like parts of his appendages and hands yeah. to do it? Or was it like a key? He had uh, like a ring of tools, but he was also using parts of himself. You would see that he would okay. open up his stomach and pull out things, and some of which seemed to be attached. So do we get the sense that basically like if, before he had disabled that, if like any one of us just stepped to the door, we get fucking like vaporized? You could see the faint shift of magic Got that it. is gone. Got it. Okay. And he, um, he spent some time doing this, so things were kind of like there were knobs turning and whatnot, so it seemed like very specific to yes. him. There wouldn't be anything that we could... Yeah, I mean, you can't be sure that some of what he was doing wasn't bullshit, but um, at least what he did, um, the end result resulted in that magical shift um, evaporating. Piddlewick, is there uh, anything else we should be concerned with as we pass through this doorway? Mm, yes. I need you to roll a uh, dexterity saving throw, please. <laughs> I want to impose this advantage. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. Yeah, natural one. I'm gonna let this happen. <laughs> Four. I deserve this. He rushes at you and pushes you off of the parapet. Does anyone want to do anything? As Piddlewick rushes oh, at wow. Kana and pushes, he lets out a loud cackle as he throws her from the top of this bridge. <laughs> oh, I did. I was expecting a knife. Not to push <laughs> Uh, uh, I will immediately leave. What are you doing? And I'm going to try to grab onto part of her. Roll a uh, 
uh, roll act. What, what would you say for him trying to grab it? Would it be a uh, I mean, like maybe dexterity, like a dexterity check? Just a dexterity, dexterity check. Place a dexterity check. At the same time, I'll try to grab Hiddlewick to like pull him. Is anyone yeah. helping? I would have done the no, I would have done the same thing and tried to go for that little shit. I should have just used Indomitable. Snatch him up by the goddamn neck. <laughs> I don't know why I just allowed this uh, to happen. Level uh, 19 just, character. Like, I'm gonna anything. twist it. Taken down by a... I thought this was gonna be a knife. I didn't think I was gonna get shoved off the fucking bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I alluded to what he was thinking about when you guys walked up here. But I figured he liked the gift that we gave him and that he was in a good mood. Uh, so Damn it. I think this is in a good mood. <laughs> it was 15. You are able to grab onto Woo! part of Kana's robes and pull her forward. She stumbles into you as oh. both Shepard and Victoria grab onto Piddlewick. He struggle, struggles against you for a minute and then goes limp as his head tilts up and he looks at you both and smiles. <sighs> a godsman! I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw him off the fucking goddamn tower. Piddlewick, I won't remember there, that. There will be time yes. for that, yes. Shepard. <laughs> Goodbye, Asher. Please come back. I'll, I'll, I'll come back. Should I, I'll meet you in the room when you're finished. If you're ever finished. Let's go, you little shit. And he turns and he begins to walk away, kicking Piddlewick along. Piddlewick seems to enjoy it. He's very happy oh, with uh, what was almost the death of Kana. I owe you all my life. I was not expecting that. I... I had plenty of tricks up my sleeve, and there was not a chance that it could have gone poorly. It's fine, everyone's fine. <laughs> Thank you. Everyone is fine. I'm concerned if we are to go against Shadanya von Zarovich and an entity known as the Glide Queen, if that tiny mechanical creature gave us the runaround as well as we did. <laughs> I am concerned at our at our fortunes, so to speak. And just for the future, does everyone have like a preference of bird? Just in case, just asking for a friend. I, I, uh, I, I don't care for birds. I've bird. I've grown quite bird, a bit yes. as a person. What do you mean? Just in Why case anyone else time? gets pushed off of a parapet, in case I need to save you and transform you magically, is there a form that oh. might best uh, suit your survival? Yeah, one that's not flightless. All right, so as long as it flies, all right, okay. Yeah, that'll work. No penguins or ostriches or emus or cassowaries or kiwis or uh, or platypuses and a bird at all, so. All right, got it, got it. (laughs) I echo his sentiment. Anything that flies. I do not care for birds. Any flying reptiles you prefer? Reptiles cannot fly. Isn't a bird a kind of You've never seen a flying reptile? I've never seen a flying reptile, no. All right, noted. Can reptiles fly? I like to look off the, the bridge. <laughs> Let us proceed, Thomas. <laughs> yes. You're all standing there. Of course. The sounds of Escher and Piddlewick arguing slowly fade away to silence. As you all stare into the simple door frame simple wooden door blocking you from this thing that you're supposed to be so afraid of, this thing that is that Escher is so fearful of, this thing that repels Stradania herself. And yet, all you see is darkness and a faint, thin red mist. Soft thump-thump, thump-thump, thump-thump beneath your feet and in your ears. What do you do? 
So are we like at the bottom of the tower? So like at the door you went up a tower. Okay. And then you went out a door and there was a long like bridge that had two drops, like a little mini bridge. Uh And there's a tower that comes up from that. And there's a door on that that you're looking into. So you're essentially outside right now. Okay. And you have like the wind battering at you. How tall is the the tower in front of us now? It is a hundred feet tall. Okay. All right. This is it. Upward. Nowhere. Nowhere but forward and upward. I will walk immediately through the doorway. Steal yourselves, Clayton. You walk into the doorway, and for a second. You feel yourself, and you seem to be completely in control of your body. You have not succumbed to death. The trap was effectively disabled. And as your eyes slowly come to this room, all the way up to the very top, shrouded in a thin red mist, and hanging in the very center, glowing with an eerie red glow, is a pulsing crystalline heart. But as you look at it, it looks like it could be real. No, it's definitely made of crystal. No, it is definitely real. It looks exactly the way you would expect a human heart to look, and yet there is something not quite right. You breathe in the thump, 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 thump is slamming in your ears. All of you have now spilled forth. You're all seeing this image. You all stand almost in awe, staring at this thing as if you can't look away. Thump, 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 thump. It feels like someone's pounding in your ears. You can feel it beneath your feet. Thump, 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 thump. I need you all to roll a wisdom saving throw for me, please. Yeah, that's good. Oh, I'm terrible at that. Oh boy. I got an 18. Oh god. Uh, I also got an 18. Can I twist? Yes. Yeah, you may. Yeah, I got a 29. I got a 20. Oh my god, you're killing me. I got a 7 again. Yeah. Did anybody get above a 20? I got an 8. Oh, I got a 20 now. 29. You are able to keep your composure as Victoria, Shepard, Kana, and Sarnax begin babbling to themselves. You feel like your mouths are not your own as you begin to start speaking in an unknowable language, a language you yourself don't understand. As the words begin to tumble out of your mouth, this inhuman speech, your saliva begins to pool all over your vestments, your armor. As you look up at this thing and you can't stop yourself from stopping or from speaking, you try to cover your mouths, but you don't feel like you have full control of your body. As your arms shoot back down and you continue to babble at this thing, what do you do, Clayton? Hold yourselves together! This is the power! Ah. I want to try to use my. to see if I can get any sense of the magic of what this is, or if I can kind of discern. Roll an arcana check. Oh, that is a. uh, skills. 22. You look between 
your friends and this thing, and you move away from them, the babbling, the thum 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 pounding in your ears, uh, almost like a wicked song playing behind you as you move up towards this thing and you go to put your hand close to it. And yes, it is both crystal and flesh, both heart and not heart at the same time, but it is so out of your element of magic that you can't even grasp this thing in front of you. As all of you feel the babbling stop. And you're able to regain your voices again. What was that? You all right? I think I'm gonna be sick. It's all right, it's just tricks. Something is so It's just tricks. I don't understand anything about this. It's a fleshy heart and a crystal at the same time. I don't understand. So are we downstairs while he's up there? You are standing in the very center. He is, um, oh yes, sorry, there's a spiral staircase that you would have had to have ascended to get close enough to look at it that close. So yes, all four of you are down at the very bottom. Clayton is up towards the top. So we're babbling at the bottom. There's staircase, yes. Clayton's at the top looking at the heart. Yes. Okay. I, I need everyone up here, please. Here. Oh. All right, God, we're coming, we're coming, come on. Yes, yes. Mind your footings. Uh, are there any runes or any any clue of what this is? Sonax, can you take a look, please, too? I want to just sort of like go around the room and try to investigate to see if I can find any kind of runes or levers or like anything that would be related to the the, the workings of this. Roll investigation check. You touched it? No, no. no he I only put his hand close Jesus, to it. Thank God. <laughs> Did you fucking touch it? Uh, investigation <laughs> is a sixteen. Uh, you look around the room and you see no levers. You see nothing. There is, there aren't even, there's nothing suspending this thing in, air, in the air. It just simply is. Um, I will say you see faint tendrils that seem to be almost like veins connected from it and into the very stone of the castle itself, pulsing. Thump, 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 thump. I doubt this is just a heart. That's all there is. This red mist veins going into the stone. Part of this place, it seems. I will take a look, yes, as you ask, Professor. Please. I will assist you, sir. Thank you. And I would like to. I want to like look, try to look into it, see if I can find a weak point, figure out, see if I can get any kind of like, do I get the sense that fire is going to damage this thing? Uh, or whatever I can. I don't, it might be probably incomprehensible. Roll an arcana check. Oh, arcana. Uh, I fail. It's incomprehensible. I, I do not know. This is, I cannot even tell what this, this is. Shepard, do your senses suggest anything? I have never seen anything like this in my entire fucking life. Uh, Professor, the babbling that you heard from all of us come out in unison, have you heard that speech before? This is an interesting question for the DM. So I can understand all languages. Did I understand it? No. You're right. My third eye 
It's been open to all languages of Avantress, and I did not understand a word. We were prepared for this. I need your all roll wisdom saving throw. Nice this time. Oh, good. Oh. 18 again. Oh, that's a roll. Whiz. Just shy. 27. 17. Uh. <laughs> I think I failed. I'm going to use my last lucky die on this. That's not cocked. That's definitely cocked. Uh, uh, That's uh, not cocked. That's not cocked at all. <laughs> 16. Anyone uh, who rolled above a 20? Kana, you watch this time as all of your friends begin to, their bodies go slightly limp as all of you begin to see in front of you Kana a strange being rip forth from her chest, tentacles sprouting this way and that, dark shades of purple and black. There is something making its way out of Kana, and you, you're watching it as it begins to devour her. Shepard, Shepard, kill it, kill it! What is wrong? Kill it! Yeah, Kana! I would draw my weapons okay. and see if I, I would, could, like, I would try to burn it as well. On this thing without, you shooting, could. without shooting Kana. Sure, roll, um, roll, uh, uh, to attack. Do I just see them all go limp? I don't hear them screaming. No, you see them all go limp for a second, and then their eyes go wide as they're all looking at you and yelling at you. What is it? What is it? Is it my eyes? Have I lost my eyes again? Uh, what's your AC there, Colin? Yeah, 22. Uh... Oh, okay. Well, one will miss. Uh, the other two will definitely hit. But again, I'm trying to see if I can hit this thing without hitting her. Right. So roll damage. Unless I'm absolutely insane and I've lost my mind and I can't do anything right. I I would be doing the save with my lantern. It's going to be 11 plus 7 is 17. Uh, and then 8, 9, 10, 11, 18 plus 17 is 35. What, two attacks? Ki- what kind of damage? Oh, force, cold, and fire. Okay, that's or radiant. You take the damage. Shepard, you watch as you shoot into this thing. One of your bolts misses, but the other two ah. are able to find true as you as you watch as it hits into this strange creature, repelling it for a second. It has done what it needed to do. You can kill this thing, and you know that to be true. Kana, you watch as Shepard pulls out his weapons, and he blasts two shots directly into you. You see where the bolts bury themselves into your chest, blood spilling out over you. The pain is immense. Your friends have begun to attack you. I stop! You're all mad. A You're all mad. Ball, I'm a guiding fine. ball is heading to your chest. <laughs> As I call forth holy fire out of my lantern towards this horrible. Oh, uh, there was a creature in your chest. Uh, and You're I transforming. I got a, tw- uh, a thirty to hit. Yep. Okay. Um, and it does uh, uh, thirty-two points of uh, radiant damage. Okay. How much damage is that in total? Uh, uh, 67 total. Thank you. So far. Yeah, I'll make a note of that. Snap out of it, you are all mad! How do we- Why are you shooting me? So we perceive it as it's actually working. You are all hallucinating that there is this horrific creature that is- that is ripping itself out of Kana's chest. 
And though she's yelling at you, don't worry about this, as she opens her mouth, it sounds as if she's screaming in utter agony. Uh, We're going to help you, Arcanus! And I'm going to shoot uh, arcane bolts out of my finger. Okay. Which, like, auto hit or something? Uh, no, it's just selfish. Yeah, it's not magic. <laughs> it's Tom, just what did you eat? <laughs> it was the tea! What's your AC? Was it the tea? 22. Please tell Sorry, me some Maya. of these news. I, tell me some of these It was news. not the tea, you're all mad! Stop shooting at me! I'm gonna try and like run for cover in this room. I have no idea where- You I, you begin to run, um, heading down the stairs. You all watch as Kana be, begins to turn to run, and you see that whatever this thing is has fully made its way out of her body as it wraps these, um, these red tentacles around her body and begins to drag her down the stairs. You watch as she's being dragged down the stairs. <laughs> Kana, you are running as you feel this much of damage slam so into your one back, one right body. after the other. One misses, and okay. I just don't do damage, so this is only uh, not 14. Uh, it's only 20 damage. So twenty. you take 20. 24 damage. Of course, okay. As, it's, as the last of the blasts hits into your back, you stumble and fall part, part of the way down the stairs. As all of you come <sighs> to, Kana is lying partially broken on the stairs, two wounds in her chest where shepherds, um, where uh, judgment and redemption had found their mark. Part of her skin and her hair singed by Sarnax's radiant fire, her clothes in tattered uh, due to Clayton's arcane magic. I'm gonna try and like run around the corner if I if I'm still up. You you clamber up. You're breathing heavily as you make the way your rest, the rest of the way down the stairs, running as quickly as you can and pressing your back up against the the circular um, stairwell, trying to hide from your friend. Connor, is the thing dead? My gosh, Connor, you're all right. I'm just gonna be completely silent and waiting for them to come down the stairs to like attack one of them, like bonk them in the head. Well, whoever comes around the corner first. I'm just trying to be quiet. I don't know, do I need to roll stealth? <laughs> with my, yeah, sure. With roll my stealth. blade armor? Uh, what is that? Stealth? You're not disadvantaged, though. Plus two, so 17. Okay. I, I think... I, is, she, is she... Is it gone? I think it took it took her to its lair. We have to go! We have to save her! No, she... Professor. I do not want to risk us going into a hive of slithering, gibbering monsters. We can't just leave her. You saw that thing. It was horrific. Shepard. Yeah. Track the monster down. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll try. I mean, I've never even, I don't even know what the fuck that was. Did the heart do that to her? Couldn't it do it to any one of us? Of course. Sorry, we could. Okay. Okay. We need to kill the heart, but we can't let Kana die. We need to save her. I could have sworn that... The last of your arcane bolts had killed it, Professor, but there could be more. If it ripped out of Kana's insides, imagine what it's already done. She could have been turned. Thump, 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 thump. You all suffer, suffer one level of exhaustion. Oh, God. Jeez Louise. <sighs> all right. That's not good. Where is that? Hit point? Uh, no, you do it on conditions. 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 And it tells you exactly what the conditions do. Oh. Disadvantage on ability checks. Oh, that's not good. No, it's really, really, really bad. Um, all right, everybody just, just let's all just calm down for a second. I just got to catch my breath. All right. Uh, and then 
turning away from the heart and back down towards the steps, I'm gonna shout, Kana! Kana, are you there? You just said wait. The beast. I'm just waiting for him to come around the corner. I mean, no, right? I wouldn't sense a beast. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to sense. It's not nope. there. I, I'm gonna go. From us. I, I'm gonna go look for her. All right, just, just. I'm not gonna go far. She couldn't have gotten far. I'm not gonna leave the tower. No, 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 no. I'll please. pray Major for this. Don't go far. I won't leave the tower. I'm gonna grasp my prayer beads and um, ask Elmater to reveal the secrets within 30 feet. You looking for the monster? <laughs> yeah, you you do that, but you find no secrets, no monster. I would say, would a secret would that? Yeah, I would reveal a stealth person. I would say you could sense Kana's presence down below, but no, no monster. She's here, Kana. I can sense her. All right, Are Kana. You all right? We know we know you're down there. Do you think she alive? I don't know. She must be. Are you okay? Be careful. Do I know what's happening? Like, have I seen this sort of madness overcome my friends before? No, nothing quite like this before. I, I would say you can definitely tell they weren't in their right minds. Yeah. Um, it was quite obvious to you that you were perfectly fine and that they were all seeing something in unison. But I've seen the professor go mad in a similar way in the dungeons and that we were able to get him to snap out of it by attacking him when we were in the dungeons of the of Ravenloft. You've seen charms and things like that. Yeah. And I would say you would be smart enough at this point to know that okay. that kind of thing could work. Okay. Shepard, track her down and let's find her. Um, I'm going to uh, holster uh, redemption. So my left hand is free and I still have judgment in my right hand. Uh, for a second, I'm going to... Uh, reach it in my pack and again uh, I'm going to pull out a bit of just just a, a tuft of uh, direwolf fur that we had from when we when yeah um, way back in the day yep and uh, my eyes will open and, and briefly flash fiery and as I cast locate creature uh, looking for Kana you immediately locate Kana at the bottom of the stairs she is directly on the inside of the uh, spiral staircase that goes up her body pressed up against the stones <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, she's here. Kana, I, I know you're here. It's it's okay. I'm coming down to make sure you're all right. I don't sense the monster anymore. I think yeah, we're there's okay. No, there's no monster. I mean, I don't. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna very, it's dead. It's dead. I'm gonna very slowly uh, uh, go down and just Shepherd, continue talking to Kana as I go down. Kana, I'm coming to make sure you're all right. I, I don't think the thing's here anymore. I'm, I'm coming. Easy does it. I'm going to activate my fighting spirit to give myself 15 temporary hit points and just wait till I see him before he comes around the corner. Okay. If, if you can't talk, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to help. You finally descend the stairs, and as you turn the corner, Kana, you see Shepard standing there. Shepard, you see Kana, two wounds in her chest from judgment and redemption. Her body singed from Sarnax, the blast from... Clayton's arcane magic, but no creature. To so, it's, but it's very—is it very clear to me that those wounds were caused by my revolver? It's revolvers? very clear that those wounds were caused by your revolvers, and that it's also very clear that nothing has burst forth from her chest. I'm going to immediately holster my other weapon. Oh my fucking god, Connor! Are you all right? No, no, you all started shooting at me. Easy, easy, easy. Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna like back away from him further. All right, further. all right, all right. I'm gonna take a couple steps back. All right. What is going on down there? It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Oh. Time out. You're all you're all going mad, and you all started shooting at me. You don't know what we saw. There was. She's a, clearly lost her mind. Bring her up here, Professor. Wait. 
there was some fucking horrible tentacle fucking thing and it was coming out of your fucking mouth and your chest and shit. Are, are you all right? Do you need medical help? Uh, I need like, you all to roll a wisdom saving throw, please. Oh We're going to die in this hour. sweet Baby, finally. Oh. I'm going to get fucking shot. Boom, let's go. 23. 25. Uh, uh, 24. 21. Did Go anyone on. roll a 25 or lower? <laughs> 25. Lower than a 25? Oh, lower than a 25, 24. As this happens, Kana, you watch as uh, Shepard's body goes limp. Clayton, Victoria, Sarnax, you feel this too. Your body begins to shake violently, uncontrollably, as your limbs are no longer your own. You fall to the ground, jolting and contorting, your body moving in ways it shouldn't physically be able to. You have no control over yourself as your limbs crack and move. Kana, you watch as Shepard does this, his head lolling back and forth, his eyes rolling around inside of his skull. This happens for five minutes as you stare in silence. You are unable to move as you look down at this horrific vision in front of you as your limbs finally become your own again. I find sure. yourselves on the ground, contorted in a position. Your body is sore. <sighs> Professor? We, we, we must do we something. We need to kill it! I'm going to destroy it right now. We're Someone gonna... give me a reason not to, or I'm going to burn it! Do it, Sonic. Burn it. We're going to die here if we don't. Now! <laughs> Derek, give me the power to destroy this! And I cast an eighth level flame strike on Fuck. it. Describe to me how that looks and what happens. Uh, a blast of uh, red and gold uh, of fire um, from my, uh, just a spell, right? Just a spell. Uh, and it's an eighth level. I have an eighth level left. Yes. I don't make sure. Yep. Eighth level. And it's radiant and fire damage. just bursts down like a fucking column. And it just... <laughs> And it just uh, shoots down. Let me see what the actual radius is of Flame Strike. Oh, God. Um, oh, it's a 60 <laughs> foot. God, uh, it's 60 feet down. Way. So it won't hit the bottom, potentially. <laughs> no, it won't. Potentially. Uh, so it's 60 feet by 10 feet. So uh, this is probably as. You're, you're able to not hit your. Okay, so it is price. 10 by, by 60, and a just giant Barely. pillar of holy uh, dragon's fire comes down uh, straight eyebrows. through. Doing how much damage? Oh, I need to roll the damage. Um, actually, it's not a whole... I guess it's an AoE spell, so I guess that's why it doesn't do a whole lot of damage. Um, mm. Mm. I just thought it was a cool... Th- wow, that's it. Uh, so it is 8, it's 10. Yeah, like, yeah it's, it's flavorful. It is 11 points of fire, and... <laughs> Oh god. 11 points of fire and, <laughs> and 11 points of radiant. So 22 points of damage. Oh god, you're so good at this. If it fails, uh, well, it's got to make a dexterity saving throw. I don't know if it can succeed that. <laughs> it but. passes. Okay, so um, half of that, it takes 11 points of damage. You watch as Sarnax calls forth this pillar of flame. The heart itself is consumed in fire. The red mist showing thickly now all around you as suddenly the massive crystal heart beats louder and faster than ever before. With a flash of horrible light, your eyes are drawn deep into its center. And there you all see the exact same thing. Three large, pure red eyes, one on top of the other, staring at you into you. The incomprehensible gibbering whispers get louder, almost at the center of your brain until you can hear nothing else. And altogether, your consciousness turns to black. God. 
slowly for all of you. The darkness fades, banished by the gentle glow of a waning autumn moon high above the village of Inari, peaceful and quiet, just days after the sacred festival of the Lunar Rabbit. Several townsfolk walk the streets enjoying the cool evening air. An elderly merchant comes into view, guiding his horse as it, as it draws a cart of goods towards the market row. He passes a young couple arm in arm as they share a private intimate moment admiring the stars towards the edge of town. The lovers turn from the stars and look into each other's eyes and lean in for a kiss so gently that the young woman almost doesn't notice the splash of warm blood on her face as an arrow flies into her man's neck. With an agonizing gurgle, he collapses to the ground and his love shrieks. She turns to run deeper into the town, but only makes it several feet before three arrows puncture her back and she crumples with a whisper. The only sound that can be heard over the dying breaths of the young lovers, the rumbling of the ground, the thunderous sound of hooves. By the time the alarm bells toll throughout Usagi, they are matched and almost drowned out by the cacophony of war drums as several dozen hobgoblins ride into town atop huge boars that squeal and grunt with maddened eyes. The raiders' faces are shrouded by the grim masks of ogres, demons, and other malevolent monsters as they begin their slaughter. The screaming and clamoring erupting from Usagi spook the merchant's horse and it charges forward, trampling the helpless old man beneath its powerful hooves as a hobgoblin thunders by and slashes the horse's throat with, with a single swing of its large curved broadsword. The cart creaks and breaks as the horse stumbles forward with a loud crash. As it bleeds out in the dirt, goblins seem to appear out of nowhere, clad all in black. They begin to pillage the goods from the cart. The loyal horse attempts to rear his head and fight, but the gash on his throat only burbles as his life leaves him. The town guard are picked off before they can make a dent in the raiding forces. As the helpless innocents of Usagi are butchered, they scream for help. They scream for their samurai to protect them. They beg for deliverance from their horrible fate, but no samurai ever comes, and Usagi burns, a flickering light in the hilly landscape beneath an indifferent waning moon. The distant glow of the burning village holds, but the surrounding view shifts and fades. The fire becomes the flames of lit torches, dozens of them, perhaps more than a hundred, each one matched by an angry face and a hateful voice as a posse gathers at a long dead lightning split tree by a cliff of red rock, no more than 10 minute ride outside the town of Rattlesnake. There's a tense anticipation in the air as the gathered miners, farmers, shopkeepers, and other townsfolk look back and forth at each other with anxious sneers, occasionally letting out an exclamation, a curse, or a call for blood. They're all desperate, Prosperity has dried up in Rattlesnake, along with the mines, the creek, and the hope of the people. They almost salivate and bark like a pack of desert wolves before a calm and collected voice soothes the crowd, and all faces turn toward a man dressed in fine robes and jewelry with the mark of a silver sun. He is a large man of middle age with deeply set eyes and plump full jowls that shake as he speaks an almost comedic contrast to the filthy, emaciated mob. Saliva flings from his lips as he delivers a blistering sermon, placing the blame of Rattlesnake's woes on a single individual, a heretic who claims to be a doctor and a healer, but practices strange arts of magic and machine. 
Clearly, this unforgivable heresy, which has strayed from the one true path of Foltus, Lord of the Blinding Light, has brought ruin to Rattlesnake, and he tells them to fear not, there will be restitution. A line of similarly dressed clergy behind him part to reveal a small hunched form tied to the base of the gnarled tree. An elderly bearded gnome with a face that's beaten, bruised, bloody. The goggles still around his forehead shattered with shards of glass sticking into his flesh. His eyes are loose and unfocused as they attempt but fail to scan the mob for a friendly face. As he feebly squirms, surrounded by dried logs, straw, and other tinder. The High Priestess of Foltis offers Dr. Thomas Cogburn the opportunity to, to defend himself in the name of justice. But the so-called heretic can't help but to sputter anything besides blood and unformed groans. The cheer of the crowd echoes through the arid hills as he receives his sentence. The moment the clergy's torch touches the straw, the entire tree goes up in flame, the dock along with it. The agonizing screams erupting from the inferno cannot be drowned out by the hooting and hollering of the mob as they seem to melt away. The burning gnome is all that can be seen until his tortured screams are joined by two more voices, one male and one female. As the cries get louder, two blazing wooden, wooden pyres come into view, flanking the tree. Tied to each is a tiefling in unfathomable pain. The crackling of the fire and rustling breeze cease along with all other sound, only the shrieks can be heard as the three burn. Then, three fires become one as the desert fades away and what remains is a mighty brazier of flame sitting at the center of a beautiful garden nestled within a deep, dark wood. It blazes brilliantly as the natural oranges and yellows shift to a divine red and gold as it casts a beautiful light across the vibrant plant life and a single cloaked figure that kneels before it holding a dragon bone lantern high as it gives praise to the fire. Sarnax of the Edelwood smiles as he basks in the glory of his god, finally feeling at one with the divine, all he has ever wanted in his hard, cruel life. Nothing exists beyond the soul lizard folk, his god and the fire. Then it comes. A look of dismay comes to his face as a tiny seed is planted in his mind, the seed of doubt. Like a creeping vine planted in nutrient-rich ash, it spreads more and more until he can feel it overwhelming his very core. And as the doubt spreads like wildfire, the fire in the brazier wanes, growing more and more dim. Suddenly, he feels the presence of hundreds of hooded figures surrounding him, filling the garden entirely. At each of their feet lies the corpse of an Aarakocra, with its dead owl eyes and chests carved open. Each lizardfolk cultist holds a bloody, jagged obsidian blade in one hand and a mutilated heart in the other. They speak in unison with one booming voice, castigating and condemning Sarnax as the brazier dwindles all the more. They condemn his doubt. They condemn his unwillingness to do what must be done. They condemn that the fire in his soul has been snuffed out. He is unworthy. The brazier fades to embers and the cultists are, are swallowed by shadow as the glow finally dies. The only light remaining is a tiny flickering flame in the lantern. As Sarnax desperately hunches forward to keep it stoked, it is futile. It shrinks down to a single lick of fire before fully extinguishing. Now a mere silhouette in the darkness, Sarnax cries out for Garrix. Garrix does not answer. Garrix is not there.
The darkness of the woods shifts to a darkened bedroom, lit only by a small tallow candle on a nightstand. The room is modest but comfortable, a metal sculpture of the bound hands of Ilmater hanging on the wall besides the bed. Up against the window frame is the shape of a young woman, kneeling in reverence with hands clasped as a half-elf named Victoria Wallace prays. She wears a plain blue dress that is unlaced in the back, the cloth clinging to pale skin several inches past her shoulders, revealing a horribly scarred back that is currently slashed and dripping with blood. With the sound of a whip, the crack of stone on flesh, and a quick, pained exhale of breath, Victoria flogs herself once more as the spiked red prayer beads rend her skin and bring her the familiar, reassuring pain that she is indeed a good woman. She offers her pain to her beloved God, and she tells herself that it would keep her away from the wickedness that eternally festers within her. As she repents for the original sin of the circumstances of her conception, she recalls an impure thought that had come to her at the market the day before. Her hand lingered on the pretty young shopkeeper who had handed her an apple and their fingers had met. The creeping reminder of desire is dispelled just as quickly as it had come with another agonizing crack of the beads. She reflects on her life. It is not exciting or exhilarating, but she should be content. She wants for nothing lives in comfort and does all the things a well-off woman in her station should do. It is only proper. She tells herself she is happy. It is a lie. There's a firm knock at the door and a man's voice reminds her that it's almost time to cook dinner before evening church service with the children. Victoria automatically and obediently responds, telling the man that she is coming as she glances down at the small band of gold around her ring finger. She moves it robotically around her finger, spinning it slowly over the soft flesh. She feels nothing. Her eyes reflect back at her from within the solid gold band as she slowly pulls her dress over her shoulders and laces it tight. As she rises from her prayer, her eyes are hollow, empty, dead. She places the prayer beads onto the end table before turning to obey her husband, head hanging meekly and moving like a husk from the room to her new life, a proper life. The pooling blood spreads and stains the dress until all that can be seen is the crim crimson of her bloody back. The bright red shimmers and shifts into a bubbling pool of boiling blood that hisses and pops within a huge stone basin embedded in the floor of ancient overgrown ruins lost in the steaming jungles of chalk. Renowned archaeologist Amelia Azran, daughter of the legendary Clayton Azran, crouches over it with an arched eyebrow, curiously examining it. Her eyes have a look of grim determination as she takes a sample of the scalding pool and makes a few rough sketches. A smug smirk comes to her face. This would be one of her greatest finds yet. She had lost the rest of her expedition to disease, dinosaurs, carnivorous plants, and an unfortunate accident involving a cliff. And she pressed onward regardless. She is an Azran, after all. She took a moment to reflect on what this discovery might look like in a museum exhibit, and that moment was all the lurking Yuan Ti needed. Amelia does not notice the snake man slither up behind her before driving a bronze spear through her back and pushing her into the blub bubbling blood. The archaeologist shrieks as she is boiled alive, her own blood joining the vat that cooks her. In her final moment, she calls for her young son, son Clive before sinking beneath the surface. The bright red of the bubbling basin shifts to a striking splatter of blood on the desert sand, scorched white hot by the blazing Nekbeshan sun. 
Beside the stain, Clive Azran attempts to retrieve his innards that have been slashed from his torso by an animated statue of a long-forgotten god, defending a tomb he had been attempting to raid for priceless artifacts. As the giant vultures circle him, his last whisper is for his daughter, Aurora. The image of bloody entrails shift to the smashed skull of Aurora Azran after a runic standing stone and Mamut toppled over onto her, her final thoughts of her only son. Once again, the blood shifts to the next Azran in line and their gruesome demise. Over and over, the blood of the Azrans is spilled until nothing can be seen but a blood that continually darkens. The bright red turning black as pitch. Everything. All has turned to black bile. The blackness then begins to roil and bubble as it becomes a putrid slop in an iron cauldron within a small hut. The hunched, gnarled form of a hideous hag leans forward and throws in a petrified eyeball, a dried bat wing, and a dash of bone dust before taking a spoonful of her brew and giving the concoction a taste. As Baba Lysaga attempts to determine the missing ingredient, her attention is immediately snapped away and she drops the spoon to the ground. It, land, it lands with a clatter, sending the mixture flying across the filthy room. She looks around her hut fervishly, but no one is there. She swears she had heard a whisper from something or someone. It was impossibly faint, but she had heard it all the same. The voice was unlike anything she could describe, but it was inviting. She now stands in front of a massive sarcophagus. Her withered hand and gnarled nails graze the rough stone and she immediately lets out a hideous, maddened cackle that echoes through the empty halls of the Amber Temple. At last, she truly sees. At last, she truly understands. At last, she truly serves. The reverberating cackle fades until it turns into the soft, innocent gurgling of a happy-looking infant girl in her cradle. She giggles with glee as her small, chubby hand reaches up to squeeze the tip of the long, work-covered nose of Baba Lysaga as she peers into the cradle and bears a grizzled smile at the baby. Crimson light of a blood moon bathes the room within the high tower of the castle of King Barov, the head of the mightiest family of all the warring human kingdoms of Korovakia. The hag reaches down to gingerly pick up the tiny child with one hand as she raises her pinky finger, and with her jagged nail she pierces her own eye, which oozes thick, dark blood. Without so much as wincing in pain, she beams down at the baby Stradania. Like a mother feeding her child a spoonful of porridge, the crone playfully waggles her finger before gently placing the nail full of blood into the infant's mouth, which it swallows without a hint of fear. The baby's eyes shift from green to red to green again, and with a flutter of wings, Baba Lysaga is gone, and Stradania von Zarovich sleeps peacefully in the light of the blood moon. The red of the shimmering light shifts to a bloody mist, the mist of Barovia, a slithering mist, a corrupting mist. It spreads further and further beyond the edges of the Valley of Death and into the realms of the dying beyond. The world of black, white, and gray turns red as everything the mist touches becomes of her. It continues to spread faster and faster like an aggressive cancer to the realms beyond death, to life, good, evil, order, chaos, until everything is blood, until all has succumbed to the curse of the Blood Queen. It's with that that you are all pulled back into reality, staring up at this heart, ba-bum, 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 ba-bum. You all take another level of exhaustion and you don't, you don't know how much longer you can remain in this room. 
Does it look damaged at all? No. We need to go. We need to, we need to get out of here now. We have to destroy it. That's what we came here to do. It didn't take a scratch. I'm losing my mind. We need to go now. My, my, my strength was not enough. I'm sorry. Bum, 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 Let's bum. go. Let's get out yes. of here. I will guide our path. I will follow Sarnax. I'll kind of stumble forward a little bit and like catch myself on the wall and then uh, light the way down. As you all begin to stumble down, you begin to choke on the red mist hanging in the air. It's making it hard to breathe. You're all feeling the breath pulled from your lungs. You've been breathing this mist in for far too long. Your eyes begin to dim as your vision starts to pulse. You don't know if you'll make it to the door, but you do. And as you spill out into the cold night air, you all gulp in huge gasps of air, the fresh night Barovian air filling your lungs, pushing out the last remnants of red mist as you find yourselves outside of the room, the ground beneath you. Ba-bum, ba-bum, ba-bum. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach into my pack and pull out my water skin and take a long pull from it and then pass it around uh, to, the, to the rest of the group to give them fresh water. Thank you. And just lean up against the cold stone up the bridge. I'm just gonna collapse on all four knees on the ground, just gripping my wounds. We, we, we weren't strong enough to, to even sink our teeth into it. I mean, we don't even know what the fuck it is. I channeled so much of myself into that fire, and it was not enough. Visions, nightmares of Inari. She saw us. The three red eyes. Yes. Did you see? You saw. I did. Did we all see the same thing? I saw Inari burning, my people slaughtered by hobgoblins, and Usagi. What did you all see? You all saw the visions. Oh, Everyone uh, saw each other. Together, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What does it mean? Doc Cogburn burning alive. Yeah, but he was alive when we le- when we left, was he not? Uh, of course, of course he was, but something wasn't right. I mean, that vision couldn't have happened the way that it did. Why? So their teeth flings were my parents. They've been dead forever. How did they die? Well, I mean, I wasn't there, but very much that same way. You were burned alive. But my, but my point is the time doesn't doesn't add up. It doesn't line up right. The doc was fine when I left. I mean, that was a while ago. I, almost a year, I guess, at this point. Guys, but, but, but it doesn't make sense. It's like it, it was and it is, or, or, or will be. I don't know. It doesn't. It, 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 it defies time. Perhaps it's a warning, something to scare us. I mean, fuck yeah, I'm worried about the dog now. Cool. And what's stopping those maniacs from going after him? Is Sarnax's lantern still lit? Yes. Okay. Sarnax, are you well? Yes, yes, I, I'm, I'm, I, I know that Garrix is still with me. I know that Garrix is still with me. I cannot commune with him today, but I will make sure I can. These are visions of things that are to come, maybe. I am worthy. But have not transpired yet. My daughter 
is was not that is not that age yet. But she wanted to prove to me that she could see me. She could see into me. That was her way of proving to you, Shepard, that she knows your past. She knows our pasts. This was her plan all along. And futures. And futures. Do you know a man named Wallace, Victoria? Do you have a family at home? Just my father, if you can call him family. We need to destroy it. If we don't destroy it, all of these things will come to pass. All of it. She's showing us off here. And yet, she showed us baby Stradania. Presumably she showed Baba Lysaga the same visions of the mists of Barovia, of a young Stradania, a young warlord coming to this valley, conquering it. Presumably it all came to pass. What did Stradania call it? Her? The Prime? Of the universe? So she thinks. So she says in her whispers. And you think the whispers are lies? I for one do not. I believe whatever this is knows. It knows what will happen. That's what we need have to We need to destroy this part. We can't go back in there right now. There's no way. I mean, my legs barely work. What else do we know about this, this thing? We, we know there's power in names. If we can't destroy it with flame and radiance and power of the gods, perhaps it is with a name that we can destroy it. Something... The cards, something else. We're, we're overlooking something. I... I do not know, but if the gem that is in Stradania's choker is of the same stuff as that, is it something we can even destroy. Roll an Arcana check. Oh boy. You wanna... Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna twist that. I'm gonna twist that. Dice, uh, at least that was one of my good dice. Ooh, well, you know, I'll take it, I'll take it. Granted, the DCs now are much higher. Arcana, Ooh, <laughs> 17. Oh my god. As, as you say the words, you immediately feel what it was like to look into the heart to see it, the way it moved both crystal and flesh 
And you look back to standing in front of Stradonia after Garrix had pulled you back from oblivion. The glint on the choker, both crystal and flesh, they are one and the same. That is where we start. If that was larger than four of us, but if they're a tiny little gem, if we can figure out the nature of it, if Sergei's learned something, perhaps that is where we start. Yes, perhaps the choker is almost conduit of this heart, and if we destroy the choker, we destroy the heart. At least weaken the heart and maybe free Stradania of this curse. I don't know if we can save all of Barovia if this entity has complete control of the castle and the lands. First thing we need to do, we need to kill kill Stradania. Destroy the choker. Until that's done, I don't see how we can do anything else. Let us return. I do not wish to be this close to that thing any longer. Agreed. Before we leave, Professor, the gem that's in your possession, any reaction from it? Are you holding it? I'll kind of like instinctually just reach into my pocket. As you place your hand in your pocket, thump, 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 as the gem beats against the palm of your hand. No, no. I think it's on the laser. Good. That is, that is heartening. No grim pun intended. I'm going to try to stand up and like hobble across the bridge away from this Your limbs tower. feel shaky, but you're able to gain your composure and walk back towards the main portion of Castle Ravenloft. Are you coming? Yes. Let's go. Let's go as quickly as we can. I am so very tired. With Victoria's help, though you don't have Escher to lead you through the castle, you are able to sniff out the secrets that make a quick trek of it back to the room that you all share together. Lounging on the settee in the main room is Escher reading a book. He doesn't even look up as you enter, though you can see a faint shudder through his body as you enter the room. Thump, thump. Thump, thump. Now, the Azran expedition finally understands what I must endure. Endlessly. Even with the Raven Queen on their side. Even with the betrayal of my dear boy Escher. Even with their master plan to sabotage my own wedding. They are not prepared for what's to come. They should be far more afraid. Will they finally learn humility? Find out in the conclusion of chapter 19 of Curse of Stradania, The Devil Cried. In the meantime, 
If you wish to watch Legends of Aventris tell similar stories of Dungeons & Dragons every week, you can follow us on Twitch. You can also enjoy our many campaigns on YouTube, shop at our merch store, support us on Patreon, and join our community on Discord. All links are in the show notes. We welcome you to our Aventris family. <laughs>